Wrestling Geeks Alliance. How you doing out there? It's been a year, and if you've been with us at Wrestling Geeks Alliance, you know that we've had one hell of a year in wrestling. Uh, some stuff that wasn't so good, um, a lot of stuff that was interesting, and uh, debuts, starts of retirement tours, you know, retirements in general, uh, just a lot of stuff all in between. But don't worry. Here at Wrestling Geeks Alliance, we're here to go over, like we usually do, the last weekend before New Year's happens and we enter 2024, me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, will break down a bunch of categories we have, including always best match, best male wrestler, best female wrestler, um... I'm really looking forward to breaking this stuff down with you, DX style. And uh, like I said, I couldn't do the show without me. Coming live from somewhere in Nebraska in a cornfield. What are you doing out there, man? Um, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. <laughs> I'm looking for Connor Oberst, man. <laughs> Trying to figure out when that <laughs> white eyes album is coming out. How you been, buddy? What have you been up to? Uh, I've been I've been good, man. Uh, just enjoy my week, getting some stuff ready for my move coming on the twentieth. Uh, well, we'll probably be moving stuff before that, but next month is it for the residence that I've been at for almost nine years, Chris. Um, and uh, yeah, about to move on to a different direction. So, getting some stuff set up for that. Enjoying family for Christmas. Try to figure out what I really want to do tomorrow. If I want to go out and uh, party a little bit, or if I just want to kind of hang out at my house like I did last year and uh, just do whatever happens, like getting so drunk you pass out at 9.30. Whatever. <laughs> we usually watch one of the New Year's specials on TV, and I think this year I'm going to make Pigs in a Blanket. So that's pretty much all I've got on the docket for, for New Year's tomorrow. It's just different when you're in your 20s than when you're in your 30s for New Year's. Like, going out and partying with people, you're just like, oh, God, that means I'm not to stay up the whole entire fucking time. <laughs> I think the last time I went out on New Year's, I, like, left at, like, 9. Kind of similar. <laughs> like, I went out and I was like, hey, everyone, okay, bye, everyone. Um, not to mention that tonight's going to be a late night because we have an AEW pay-per-view to watch. So there's that. Yes, and at the end of this, we'll definitely be previewing that um, pay-per-view itself, giving our predictions. But um, let's start off real quick and do our normal segments. What have you been watching? <clears throat> Obviously, I'm assuming with you, like me, a good abundance of Christmas movies. But I, I want to take – randomly, I, I watched – I literally searched because I'm a maniac. Um, movies that will blow your mind. And I don't think these are like on a super level or anything, but they're both a lot of fun and about time travel. 
both suggested off this massive list. Uh, one is Source Code. Uh, awesome movie from uh, Duncan Jones, who also did Moon, uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal and Vera Farmiga and Michelle Monaghan. Just a real, I don't want to give anything away. Just go in blind like I did and just stay and try to fucking pay attention. And then even more so, an awesome movie with Ethan Hawke made a few years later. It feels like it's in the same vein, but very different called Predestination um, with Sarah Snook, who is the uh, main female in the movie. Very fucking cool film. Different direction. Not so much action. This is much more kind of dramatic, but still a sci-fi movie at heart. And um, if you like sci-fi, if you like time travel and you can get over if it doesn't make sense a hundred percent. And you know, they they both still had their action movie qualities to them. Um, I would definitely give predestination with Ethan Hawke or source code with Jake Gyllenhaal a try. There you go. Yeah. I don't think I've seen either of those, Um, but sounds, they sound kind of neat. So where did you end up checking them out on? Was it on Prime or one of these various... Uh, source, code, source Code was, I believe, on uh, Warner Brothers. And uh, the oh, what the heck was the Ethan Hawke one on? I think it was on Amazon. Yeah. Some of these have so many crossovers. like Because like Paramount kind of bound with stars recently. So... I, I've been having a hard time when I try to tell people what streaming services on what because I just have mine all combined under Amazon, like through I their swear or whatever. <laughs> this was a time period where these movies were out, and then also like um, what's the one with Tom Cruise where it's like a video game where he has to keep on remembering what he does to get to Emily Blunt. Awesome sci-fi film had a stupid name to it. Oh man, I cannot remember for the life of me. Um, but that film came out and then there was, uh, one other film that I'm blanking on. It seems like kind of all of these, did all of these like, come oh, on, Looper. Like, oh yeah. That's what I was going to say. Either Looper or Ready Player One. It seems like a lot of those kind of came out. If not, Cruise on around the same like year or two, they got really into making movies kind of about video games. Edge of Tomorrow. That's the Tom Cruise one. Yeah, that always makes me think of the fucking Saved by the Bell, the college years song. You know, it's like, I'm standing on the edge of tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I like it. Should have remembered that. But uh, yeah, as far as shit, I've been watching. um, We watched the Taylor Swift The Errors Tour, which is a three-hour wonderful fucking performance from SoFi Stadium. So we rented that and watched that. Uh, finally, and still been watching. I'm happy Heartbreak. that you liked it. That, that makes me want. That probably make me want to shoot myself, honestly. But <laughs> no, it was it was great. Uh, the like the the amount of people in that building, especially because we watched two nights at WrestleMania uh, in that building recently. Yeah, and the amount yeah. of emotion that she gets back from her crowd. Like, even if you're not a big fan of her music, like the performance and like the crowd reaction and her ability to uh, get that crowd going and and like have that those moments with everyone there is kind of was kind of fucking insane. Also, like all the set design and it, I mean, 
it, it was a crazy thing to watch, especially just looking at the sheer amount of fucking people packed uh, <laughs> into that building. It definitely had like a, a WrestleMania feel to it. Because like I said, we've seen we've seen WrestleMania at SoFi, if not last year, the year before. Uh, so it's like the same, if not more people, the same amount of fucking people, which is just baffling. Um, I would like to know how many people were cracked in there. Outside of that, watched a bunch of Christmas movies, like you said. Um, I did a watch along with Tom Clark, 6M podcast for Gremlins, and then I went and watched Gremlins 2, Home Alone, Muppets Christmas Carol. And then I got to Muppets Christmas Carol, and I was like, well, I'm on Disney Plus already, and here's all these other Muppets movies. So I just kind of watched all of the Muppets movies. <laughs> so that was. That uh, sounds pretty rad. Yeah, that was fun. I've uh, been watching some Star Trek Next Gen here and there because I kind of stopped and then started back up in season three and uh, continuing with the Australian teenage high school drama Heartbreak High, which is their kind of reaction to Beverly Hills 90210. It's a lot grittier, but uh, in the same vein of things. Well, hell yeah, man. That sounds awesome. Yeah, next gen is something I definitely want to eventually go back and I think I've told you that. It's funny because another show around that same time that I used to watch with my mom, um, my roommates rewatching ER, and she's been watching in the living room, so I can kind of hear it since we're in a uh, split level. I'm in the basement, and the fucking theme music at the end. I remember that theme music because I'm pretty sure. That show would play, and it would go right into Nitro. So if you got a little early, you would get the fucking theme music to ER. So I was, like, laying in my bed, like, okay, this is just weird. Like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> just got to find the date and time of the episode they were watching and start coinciding it with uh, the Nitro. <laughs> so as soon as Yeah, try to watch it back to back. There was one of the other ones. I don't remember which one where I had to finish watching – I think it was either Hercules or Xena came on right before it. Might have been uh, Roth at some point. Yeah, that's I do remember that, like Hercules and Xena kind of coming on back to back. But I don't remember if it was Raw or if it was one of the Sunday night shows. But I know when USA... Nikita came on after Raw, and they 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 told you to stick around, and sometimes I did and lied about going to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I see it. Growing up, I kind of always got like uh, mostly trading tapes with my friend. I would watch, I would watch and record Nitro because I didn't have cable, uh, and then I would trade with him the next day. He would give me his copy of Raw, and it always had like the five minutes before and the five minutes after. So, because Raw always did that run over, um, so you had to kind of set your shit. So it would be like, you know, 10 minutes before, 10 minutes after, which I still have to do on DVR. Um, they're pretty good about that for WWE. I know a lot of people have had problems with AEW recently and their random overruns. Yeah, on YouTube TV, it's like I got to watch that shit live. I'm not going to do what Dave Meltzer was suggesting Brian do when they got in their little epic uh, argument together completely agreed with Brian is like, I shouldn't have to look up fucking and find out what random ass movie is coming on next after dynamite to do diligence when they should just be able to fucking get it done ahead of time because I have YouTube TV and I can't 
do anything about that, you know? Like, fuck off. Yeah, you, that was YouTube, hilarious. TV also just needs to build in that around, like, sporting events anyways. Like, U-verse, which I have AT&T U-verse, it, it does that automatically. So, like, if you're recording uh, any show, it, it does do, like, kind of the first, at least the first four or five minutes at the beginning, and it doesn't stop recording until the show ends. And, uh, like, even on stuff like ridiculousness, I record, and for whatever reason, MTV gets off schedule a lot. So there's like, well, we're apologize, we're running late, and you'll see like a show that has like that in the middle of it, which is kind of, kind of weird, but it happens. And Uverse uh, handles it. So there's definitely ways to do it. I, I don't understand why YouTube TV doesn't have anything built in like that. But yeah, that argument of being like, no, it's totally your fault. You should record the movie before in the movie after to make sure that you have it. Like I don't know about that. I can. My at that point, you might as well hook up a fucking VCR and pop in a blank tape and pro- program that bad boy. I don't know. Uh, Dave being Dave sometimes, but uh, you know, we'll we'll all figure it out eventually. I'm probably going to change from YouTube. I just have so many. The thing is, I have my internet through AT and T. I'm thinking about going to AT&T by myself off the family plan that I've shared with my father, mother, sister, and brother probably way too longer uh, than the siblings uh, should have. But anyways, fuck off your judging. Um, so I think I might do a package, but I have YouTube Red. I have YouTube Music, and it's kind of a nice package. But then again, I don't have access because, you know, who the fuck needs to watch concerts nonstop? I just want to be able to watch Impact live. That would be nice, but you know, but I can record Wow that I didn't even know existed on YouTube. That's that's interesting. Um, anyways, so yeah, they, they also brought back Glow, right? I don't know if Glow's on it, but like Wow popped up as an option, and I recorded it, and it wasn't bad. But I was like, I can't believe this is on television, and you know, certain other avenues are having problems right now, but I get it at the same time, you know, but it was weird seeing Tessa Blanchard on the television. I don't know if they're still doing it, but I kind of had a similar situation. It was like one in the morning and I was flipping through cable, which I hardly ever do. Um, but I was flipping through fucking cable and sure enough, there's like glow and AJ, uh, AJ Lee's like on commentary there, which is kind of strange and much like, you were saying, I mean, it was like an okay wrestling show, but I was like, I, oh. I didn't even realize this shit was on TV. Unless she's on both. She was on the wow episode. So maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's AJ pretty- was associated with it. Yeah. It's very possible that I'm mixing wow and glow up, uh, as a name. Or they so Chris, do you, do you want a glow up that makes the uh, boys go? Wow. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. All right, so now I got to ask you. Okay, let's 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 talk about this one thing before we go into everything. What the fuck over in the production side of things is going on at AEW, and also how much eggnog with vodka in it do you think Chris Jericho drank uh, the night of Christmas to get in fights with Stephen Pinu and a bunch of other people on Twitter? Um, I'm sure. I'm sure you saw that stuff. Um, yeah. 
the the production side you mean like the, i know that their social media team kind of got in some hot water because they like tagged jay briscoe instead of mark briscoe and was like you had a great comeback here and people were like bro oh god jesus um, no production- no no i'm talking about Jeez. okay so so far we have um you know matt's wife she has uh stepped down as of recently uh, that was brought up by the Observer. Then uh, VP of Post Production Kevin Sullivan, who, and not the Kevin Sullivan, the wrestler. I think I fucked that up years ago when I heard that. But um, he's been working pretty much underneath Keith Mitchell all throughout TNA, maybe in WCW. But Keith obviously stepped down. I think that was last year. Then we have QT Marshall, who's pretty much the right hand man um, to a to uh, Tony. It uh, looks like more so Brian Danielson has now got that section. But now senior VP and co-executive producer Mike Mansuri also has stepped out. Uh, it just seems like there is now a whole entire, you know, and maybe this is not so much a bad thing, but from all accounts, it seems like with some wrestlers, they were all, you know, intricate parts of stuff, but maybe Tony is going for something different. And is that maybe a control thing or if it's something positive? Um, but, you know, just calling facts a fact, we have lots of executives stepping down and then also, oh, hey, by the way, Kenny, one of the other VPs, you know, Cody's already gone. He has to step down indefinitely because of, uh, you know, his diverticulitis, which is not really, that's out of their hands. And then the young bucks, uh, at least, you know, before all this stuff happened, were taking a leave for a while as well. Um, and like I said, uh, Matt's wife, we find out recently that there was a lot of hot water or a uh, aggravation towards AEW in the way they handled certain situations with her husband, with the brawl out, and with stuff that CM Punk had basically called her out for something, you know, she fucked up on the, uh, the, the store or whatever and did it publicly, which is kind of a dick move, obviously, but no one backing her up for that. So it seems like a lot of the executives and a lot of at least that level within AEW, they're unhappy, they're leaving or they're not getting renewed uh, is Tony trying something different or is this just unfortunate uh, for that side of the company, the production side? I mean, you think it's, I would think, you know, it's a little unfortunate that they're, they're having all these kind of leaves of absence, but it also makes me wonder if some of that, some of these non-contract renewals, for instance, the host of live events and that stuff, if that is, tied into whatever their new TV contract is going to look like. Um, I'm wondering if like TBS and TNT, uh, and, and I can't think of the group that owns them. Is it Discovery that owns those now? That shit shifts so much. Um, I wonder if they're wanting to put in their own production team for that TV show or something of that, like, like that. I haven't heard anything like that, but it's just kind of weird timing. Uh, with all of those people kind of either leaving or not getting re-signed. It, it makes me wonder if some of that is tied into 
maybe TBS and TNT wanting a little more control on how that show is produced. No, that that definitely uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm just like thinking for each person. You got the the, the post production person, the VP. You already talked about obviously the uh, senior VP uh, co executive. Um, obviously, chairman of what is it like business sales? Yeah, uh, Matt's uh, or Dana. Um, the fuck, I can't think of the young bucks. Plus Dana Jackson. Um, you know, it's just a lot of heads themselves uh, all kind of departing the company very much in a back-to-back fashion. Also, QT. So basically, um, I'm assuming that Jeff Jarrett's next since he's the one who's in charge of events <laughs> and promotional stuff inside the cities of events. Um, he's probably going to be leaving and maybe he'll go to where's somewhere that he could go. That would be just fucking weird. Um Jeff Jarrett's going to New Japan. Uh, Jeff Jarrett never really gets fired. He just moves horizontally. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to go over here and work on this. Yeah, we love you, Jeff. Uh, I, I love Jeff. I, I'm assuming what when so when that person for the actual live bookings and everything stepped down, I assumed that Jeff Jarrett was just going to pick up that role as well. I could be wrong, yeah. but. That would make, that would make sense. sense. Um, and as far as I know, that was just they just didn't re-sign that guy's contract, right? Yeah, I think so. I think none of these are – I think all of these are amicable. They just haven't either worked out them working um, further, obviously, or, you know, they, they're done. Uh, either situation. Because I know QT's, at least as a performer, he was about to be done. But as far as an executive on that type of role, um, he was done with his contract. So he didn't want it to be renewed and, you know, or the negotiation didn't work uh, in his favor. So he got out. And just, I mean, the one thing that he said that a lot of people keep on reiterating is that uh, he loves AEW, but he thinks it's changing and it's changing in a direction that he didn't see them going. And, you know, you can you can read into that you want, and maybe it's not necessarily his fault, but then again, QT was involved with QT, QTV. So <laughs> I don't know what, what, what he wants as far as entertainment for wrestling. He wants to be sports entertained, Dane. That's, that's no, I, it's weird with the hit. Specifically with QT and Dana Jackson, those seem more like personal decisions versus some of these others where they got – they seem like they just didn't get re-signed. And that I think probably has to do with – one, like I said, I think Jeff Jarrett can probably handle the live event booking. He's done that before and for bigger companies. Um, and he's already doing the live event promotional stuff. So that kind of just makes sense. And then as far as the production, I- I'm still not, I'm, you know, I'm going to go with their production has not been the best at times in general. And maybe you look at TBS and TNT, and that's one of the things they pointed out when they go in to renegotiate these contracts. Um, that would be my my best guess, but... You know, we're never going to hear that side. These people aren't kind of on social media talking about their experience. These, the Keith Mitchells of the world, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. 
And I mean, as it's kind of like people, certain people are expendable and this could be really good. This could have no little to no effect, or I guess there could be some negatives behind it, but, um, it was a talking point. Um, let's, let's move on to my second question. Um, do you think by the time, which was, I think four o'clock in the fucking morning of Christmas, do you think Chris Jericho could see out of both of his eyes when he was tweeting, um, online? I'm just curious. Like, what do you think his blood alcohol level was? Uh, pretty, pretty high. And also, why does this always happen around Christmas with him? Didn't he have something last year that was? Yeah. What the fuck was it? He did have some fucking big outrage last year. Oh God, I can't remember. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't. If you're gonna drink, stay off Twitter. That would be my advice to Chris Jericho. He kind of ended up looking like an idiot because. Brian Last was the one who originally posted the actual employee handbook, and it was in reference to um, CM Punk's Instagram post that he had to delete and take down that was criticizing the company, as that is in the employee handbook. So that's where that originally all stemmed from. So when he was like, there's no employee handbook, I was like, bro. <laughs> Like the PDF copy of that has been floating out there for quite some time. So I don't know. I don't know why you would decide to get drunk and then go after your, you know, a lawyer <laughs> on Twitter. It seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, uh, so probably the biggest thing based on what we now know, and we still don't have a lot of information, but kind of an outline of what happened as far as the brawl for all. And I'm not going to go too far into this. Um, the biggest thing is that Jericho wasn't there. Jericho came in right at the end. Um, and this is, this is eyewitnesses on both accounts is that he came in right at the end and started reprimanding everyone. And, and then that could have been complete truth, but you know, within this, he kind of accuses, uh, a steel's wife, of doing so he basically says that he was in the room itself uh and he said that he didn't have to sign an nda of, that's because he wasn't he didn't really witness anything so it's now you know i love i love jericho he's got his flairisms and he's kind of got his hoganisms and uh that this comes kind of from the latter i would think uh but for whatever reason you know i don't know what the initial thing that was said that triggered him and you know um, it was, it was his website. That's right. His website would report. And I guess he saw it. I don't know if you realize it's from web, web of Jericho, but the, the title said CM Punk and a steel's lawyer, which is Steven Pino reveals only person involved in brawl for, uh, uh, only wait, wait, I'm sorry. I fucked that up. CM Punk's and a lawyer reveals only one person involved in brawl for out with, an NDA. I think that's fucking it up anyways, but Chris Jericho said, I didn't sign one. Uh, and then he said, well, the contract in your employee handbook, the Stephen Pinu, uh, unless you have a special one, uh, we can figure it out. And then Jericho in response, this, this long winded, uh, where is it right here? Um, sorry, just give me one second. 
I know I'm doing a terrible job. I had everything lined up and then it fucking reloaded. Um, where is okay? Here it is. Jericho to Stephen P. New. This is the good part. I don't adhere to an employee handbook and have never had one in four years of working for AEW. I've also never signed an NDA in my life ever. So stop trying to be a bully and making egotistical fantasy brags for your clients and start doing some research before you make blanket statements about your bundles. Because I saw everything that night, which is not true, including how Lucy, uh, a Steel's uh, wife, who was in, who had a cast because she had broken her leg and was there with the dog, acted and what really went down. And since I was in the room and watching her and everybody else the whole time, I know exactly what really happened. And considering you weren't there and I was, maybe you should shut your mark ass up because what really went down was disgusting. I think he should do books. I think his writing is, you know, if you can just get someone to go back, I, I, I don't know, maybe like horror. I don't know. He could do something. I don't know. Maybe he saw the security footage that's supposedly out there, right? <laughs> maybe that's what he's talking about. Well, uh, I thought the, the security footage is they haven't revealed and they have access to the one over in um, the UK. Oh, who yeah, knows? Maybe this is out here, too. That's the Jungle Boy one. Never mind. You're right. Uh, I don't know. Jericho, just shut the fuck up. That's that's best advice. Um, obviously, Stephen P. News, as a lawyer, if he says he has an employee handbook, he probably has one that had to be entered into evidence or whatever they went through when this NDA came up. Oh, my and- God, Chris. Do you want to... <laughs> I, I just saw this. This is the ending part, but you want to see what Jim Cornette said to this. All right. Um, all right. So Stephen P. News said, well, it's in your employee handbook. Unless you have a special one, we can figure it out. Uh, Jim Cornette. God, Chris, it's Xmas. Slap Tony's dick out of your mouth. Metaphorically speaking, you've got his dad's money for the, for the next 10 years and the buckaroos will still let you play with the cool kids. You don't have to tell the truth. Just quit lying. Punk is sorry he made a difference in AEW business, and you haven't. Now, I don't necessarily agree with all this, but my God, if it comes to roasting, um, <sighs> Cornette's, Cornette's up there with people. Uh, I'm sure Jericho fucking flipped over. And that's the thing. This was done after that night. Never mentioned. So uh, I'm yeah. sure this was alcohol induced uh, by Mr. Jericho, which Christmas night, but still to go, you know, what I'm going to do. I want to fucking call a Steve new piece of shit. He probably sang the little jingle from Jim Cornette. Uh, that's based off the mid South or WCCW theme. And um, Stephen P new Stephen P. Yeah. Anyways, what it's, do you think? Chris, uh, I mean, Cornette with this, he has this thing where he thinks that Punk changed business like massively in AEW. And as someone who's looked at those ratings and the pay-per-view buys throughout the entire time he was there and knowing that Punk really only had about four matches in AEW, I can just say that that's not true, really. Um, But as far as everything else he said, it's 
it's pretty much what we went through. Like, don't get drunk and tweet, bro. <laughs> it's kind of a, I mean, it's not going to hurt anything because the initial comment is just about the NDA punk signed. Uh, and I'm assuming that everyone in that room actually signed an NDA. It wasn't just like whatever web is Jericho reported on. That doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me. So I would be curious. Yeah. To see, like, because if just one person signs an NDA, then that would mean that usually you would want both parties to sign the NDA so that they don't try to make profit after the fact or use it to sue the company or anything of that nature. <clears throat> but it could be different because, uh, you know, two of the people, three of the people involved in this were also VPs uh, <laughs> of the company at the time or EVPs or whatever the hell they call themselves. It's such a weird thing. Jericho just doesn't, you think he would calm down on the drinking after he almost died and, London or whatever, not that long ago, but I guess he's still out there on the bottle pretty hard on Christmas. It's the only explanation. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I will say that at least at the beginning, you know, if we look at ratings and, and whatnot, there was an initial, it's, it's more so when punk, there was definitely a drop in gate sales. There was definitely a drop with ratings once he wasn't an active member of showing up on any of the shows. Um, I, I, especially Collision, no one's watching Rampage anymore. But like, you know, and Dynamite and whatnot. So that's more of it. I don't think, I mean, I think that he helped, but I think that he's contributed more eyes on the product. Jericho's not fair because Jericho's been on there for a long time and he also was one of the initial guys. I'm not going to ever take that against him. He was definitely a ratings draw. But like, say like an Edge, Adam Copeland. Love him. But I think people are watching it for punk more than they're watching it for a legend around from around the same era like an Adam Copeland or maybe even a Christian, even though everyone wants to see Christian get his ass kicked. Yeah, I mean, oh, I agree with that. I forgot about Wait. Christian altogether. God damn it. The way that uh, Cornette positions the way he talks about punk a lot of times is just, I mean, when you look at those numbers, like specifically he's talking about fucking uh, collision on Saturdays and you're talking of a ratings around 100,000 to 200,000 people difference when punk was there versus when he's not. And I, you can say that that's making a huge difference or is a huge difference, but I mean, it's not fucking you know, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall showing up at WCW. Let's put it that no, way. It's no, it's not, it's not Cody Rhodes on Raw either. You know what I'm <laughs> right. saying? Like, it's not punk. But, um, on... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, more people were excited to see Punk come back to WWE than they were changing the channel to go watch AEW. I agree. Well, um, all right, so... I mean, did you have anything? I, that's all I got to really say about that. I thought it was stupid and, you know, Chris being Chris kind of sometimes. And um, I, mean, I mean, this stuff, some of it, if you're not in the fucking room and it's pretty well documented from the case for multiple eyewitnesses that were there, because now it's in, now, now it's in the court. So now there's information out there. Um, why would you claim you were? And yeah, of course you wouldn't have to sign an NDA on it because you weren't fucking there. So that's, it's just how Jericho's kind of got to like, 
Jericho eyes, the story went on in, in all honesty, apparently, like I said, he was not there. And then either was in the hallway for a good portion of it or wasn't there at all. And then at the end came in as the, the elder statesman to yell at everyone and tell them that they're all idiots. So, yeah. And maybe that's where he's talking about, like, it's Jericho making the story bigger than it is, but it is possible. What what the fuck was a steel's wife doing? That was so heinous. Like that he painted in that she's got a broken leg and she's holding a dog back. Like, I don't don't know. uh, Coach Jericho out when he came in there to, uh, reprimand. Get out. You get out, you you jerk! My leg is broken. Ah! And then he ran off. Uh, anyways, <laughs> as far as I remember, Jericho Merry was Christmas doing a press conference. Didn't he come on right after Punk? I, I yeah, I think so. I don't remember. Because like I watched God, that, that situation was stupid. Punk was the first person that was at the conference and then everything else kind of happened while other people were giving interviews. So I would assume that Jericho would have either been giving his press conference thing or waiting to give his press conference thing. So like, whatever, dude, he got drunk and Hulk Hogan's pretty hard. Let's just, (laughs) from everything I hear, it doesn't sound as cool as it really fucking was. That's all. That's, I mean, it's cool. Not that it was cool. Punk said a bunch of stupid shit. He went back to his his locker room knowing that they might come. Then again, they are fucking, you know, like I said, top executives for the company itself. But, you know, anger is anger. All of them with testosterone. Punk's in there with Ace Steel's wife who was watching the dog. Uh, you know, they bust in, start yelling. Apparently the dog kind of, or the door flung open, hit the dog in the face. So Punk was even more pissed about that. Kenny was worried. I think that's maybe how he got bit. They said it was a steal, but it makes much more sense that if he did it and try to like, Oh shit, I'm sorry. And then got bit by the dog and they just blamed it on that. That's what it sounds like happened. Then a steel comes in and then there's more, more testosterone. And then fucking people are just yelling. I I'm sure there was barely any punches. It probably looked really stupid. Like one of those fucking fights you see if you ever went to your brother's hockey games, you know, in high school where people are just like, no, you're a jerk. Like, I doubt it was anything that fancy. Maybe there was a punch thrown here or there. And then apparently fucking punk through a chair, but in a room full of people and it hit fucking, you know, I, I don't think it was anything that fancy. I think that's pretty much the layout of what happened. I mean, it happened like a year and a half ago at this point, right? Yeah, no shit. We should be talking about what happened at fucking... I don't even want to get into it. What a weird year for CM Punk. I think that he might be included on, you know, some of the big things that happened this year in our top five. So yeah, maybe maybe we'll, we should just live it for that. But yeah, I mean, with Punk, it's... Keep like on drinking, Punk. Y2J. Yeah, with Punk, I mean, at this point, you're not helping yourself by fucking talking about him. He's gone. He's a, he's in the other company now. So just move on. That's the best thing you could do. <laughs> it's not. I agree. Not point out the fact that this shit did not work well for your company, and now he's about to be in one of the main events at WrestleMania, more than likely. Agreed. But um, hey, let's move on to a little bit of a somber thing. Um, 
And we had a couple wrestlers who passed away this year. Before we get into our awards, uh, I wanted to make mention, um, you know, uh, some names of some huge wrestlers. Um, you know, the the two saddest, obviously tragic, I should say, being Bray Wyatt and also M- Mr. Um, uh, Jay Briscoe. Jay, right at the beginning of the year, just terrible, tragic event. And then we lost one of the biggest legends in Terry Funk, um, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. The Iron Sheik passed away. Good old Sheiky. Billy Graham, one of the most innovative wrestlers. Uh, one of one half of the Bushwhackers, Butch, Bushwhacker uh, Butch. Uh, Aaron Drawsdo, Draws. Passed away, Lady Poffo, the genius brother of Randy Savage. Um, Jerry Jarrett, a prolific uh, promoter over in Tennessee. Mike Mantar Halleck, um, absolute a- Andy, a huge wrestler that influenced a lot of uh, a lot of the wrestlers from Paul Pierce to um, you know Pete Dunne as far as a European wrestler that a lot of people don't know, but tragically passed away. Um, doesn't matter the impact, doesn't matter the the size or scope of the wrestler within the industry, whether you brought yourself as a great worker that people look at, or you're one of the greatest of all time that could do everything like a Terry Funk, or like I said, tragic situations in which Bray Wyatt and Jay briscoe completely shocked us a lot of love from wrestling geeks alliance and we already did you know our our 10 bell salute individually for most of these guys but i just wanted to mention them we lost some good guys some great wrestlers some great cowboys like cody said uh definitely could be said about bray uh briscoe and definitely terry funk um, but uh, any 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 statements about some of the uh, wrestlers we lost this last year, Chris? No, uh, it was a, it was a very tough year as far as being a wrestling fan goes when it comes to losing some of the greats. I mean, when you get into Terry Funk and Iron Sheik and Jay Briscoe and 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 Bray Wyatt, especially with that the way they passed and them being so young, it was very very tough. And we did tribute episodes for each of those. Um, situations so if anyone wants to go listen to those those are out there but yeah just sitting once again well wishes and lots of love from us here at wrestling geeks alliance to those friends and family of, of the ones that have passed this year all right well let's talk about some some good stuff some uh, eventful things uh and get on to the 2023 Award ceremony for Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We got a big, big old one this year. And uh, we have some subcategories, or or at least more related to a five uh, as opposed to ten. And then we have our big categories uh, coming in. So let's start off with something that's extremely important. Uh, Chris, we're just going to run off one after the other. So... Uh, we're going to do biggest moments in wrestling 2023. Uh, I will start, then I will go to you, and then we'll switch that direction, but do the same thing 
for the next category. So are you ready? I said, are you ready? Let's get it. See, that can go either way. You can either go DX or SpongeBob. Anyways. Um, all right. God. There, I'm terrible at this. There's at least one thing I have to mention when it comes to biggest moments uh, in wrestling in 2023. Um, that I thought was a big moment. That at least needs to be mentioned, and that's when Brock Lesnar. I love the fucking Brock Lesnar, um, Cody matches. Actually, the third one, it was hard. It was one of those matches. There were so many this year that it was hard for me not to um, put on my list, especially when they aired it for free uh, this last Monday on Raw when they were doing recaps. It was the best match I think out out of the three matches, and just made Cody look like a badass. And then the thing that happened within it, Brock Lesnar at the end of it, which was completely something he did. Cody had no idea what was going to happen at the end of that match. He shakes his hand and then hugs him. Now that's an awesome moment, but I think that at least for me, something that beats that along with the rest on my list, solo Sokoa murders John Cena. I mean, just, we have John Cena He's building himself back up. He has a pause due to the writer's strike where he can do some stuff with, with WWE. He's not winning, but he's still bringing a lot of... He's bringing John Cena back to fucking WWE. It's, it's a big deal. Uh, his last match that he had was, I believe, in Saudi Arabia, and it was to Solo Sokoa, and Solo, the only person I think I've ever seen treat John Cena worse was Brock Lesnar. Um, where he just annihilated him. So, yeah, especially since John's whole concept is that is the gas almost empty in the tank um, and him not being able to get a win, it definitely ended a storyline and put you in like a, a concept like, wow, can one of the greatest of all time be pretty much on his way out, which is, I think, exactly what they're going for, Chris. So that's my number five. John Cena murdered by Solo Sokoa, not really murdered. That one should be an honorable mention for me. It's actually one that I forgot about completely when making this list, but that was a crazy moment. We were doing a watch along when that happened and we're both like, Jesus Christ, because it is just a complete and utter destruction of John Cena. And uh, he recently made a post talking about uh, how he didn't know when he would be back and if he was going to be coming back and, so he is teasing the fact that he's done. My guess would be that he's going to fight Solo Sokoa at WrestleMania one of the nights, but we we will see, I guess, here in the new, near future. It seems like uh, WWE is gearing up to have one hell of a WrestleMania. So that that would I would throw an honorable mention, and it should be there because it was a kind of a crazy fucking moment uh, in wrestling. Uh, my number five, and really, I didn't want to put it too high on the list because it didn't... It affected wrestling, but kind of in a different way than the rest of the biggest moments in wrestling. It's also the saddest on my list, which would be something we kind of just talked about, the unfortunate passing of Bray Wyatt and Jay Briscoe. Both great at their trade. Um, Jay kind of coming off this huge three-bout match with FTR and was really looking forward to seeing what they were going to do on that Ring of Honor tag run. Just very sad. 
And then Bray Wyatt kind of starting to reinvent his self a little bit in WWE and was going to be having this big storyline with Bobby Lashley and uh, unfortunately passed away as well. So both of those, I think, were huge moments because of the two um, still being so actively involved in wrestling and how big they were in the wrestling world. And when you're talking about Jay Briscoe and, and Bray Wyatt, the Briscoes have made like my top 10 or top five tag team list for what seems like every time, every year we've done this show. Right. So this is going to be the first time I think that they're not going to be on that list, which is fucking really sad. Uh, I'm about to break up talking about it, but the uh, that's my number five. Yeah. Um, might be that situation itself might be a little bit higher. So I definitely agree with you. Not by much, honestly, because I'm going to four. Anyways, so four, this was more for WWE, but it's the biggest storyline they had. And it was the biggest moment within that storyline that everyone was waiting on. And that was Sami Zayn finally saying, fuck this, when Roman, on purpose, decided to torture his old best friend after Kevin was getting the better interference and a lot of other stuff caused the match. And while Roman's toying with him, he's ordering Sammy to do stuff to him after he's watching the Usos just viciously destroy him like fucking Roman Scar and they are the hyenas. And Sammy, finally, he can't take it anymore. Roman kind of questions his loyalty, gives him a chair, and then he fucking cracks it over the bat. Uh, just nails him and you see Jay just like, no man, why did you do this? Because inevitably Jay would become the baby face out of it. And Jimmy just viciously attack him. And then they bolted hyenas are now on Sammy. And this would also lead to one of my favorite matches uh, with Sammy Zayn going against Roman Reigns head on uh, at elimination chamber uh, in Montreal in front of his wife and one of the best matches, I think like Sammy, Sammy had a fucking great year. I just definitely want to mention that. Um, you're going to hear his name a couple times out of my mouth. I, I believe. Yeah, I have a uh, number four, which is my number four is one of the ones that you already talked about, which is Brock Lesnar shaking uh, Cody, Cody's hand and give him a big hug. It was just kind of unexpected and, a really good match all around and in a big moment for Cody Rhodes kind of cementing him as maybe Brock Lesnar's handpick next guy. Um, just the, the showing of respect was kind of cool. And it's also something you don't see out of Brock Lesnar. So it was kind of a big shocking moment. All right. So, Let's see where. Let's see. All right. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this of CM Punk coming back to WWE because the reaction, the fact that all of us were like, it's not gonna fucking happen. The fact that this happened previous with AEW, where no one really thought it was gonna happen, and then it did. It was like what? And the the reaction from Chicago. But, I mean, this is the story of Phil Brooks going from 
the year previous and everything that happened within that, him getting injured, him coming back, kind of being the key focus of collision, um, having probably my hit, my favorite match with Punk in it, with him and Samoa Joe um, at All In in the UK. Great big match. Uh, no one would know until after the match that there's something of a, a, a little bit of a confrontation between him and uh, fucking Jungle Jack Perry. And, you know, shit went south within that. Like we were talking, we haven't seen any of the camera footage, but if we are to believe what happened, Tony was very shaken up by the situation itself. Uh, Samoa Joe was there to basically pluck both guys and get them away from each other. He's done. Um, then after being completely finished and let go, everything's hush-hush, and, and kind of slowly information has gotten out. But most, you know, it's handled in court. Um, and then shows up in fucking WWE and it's like, how almost there was rumors that he was going to go to impact. He was at a new Japan show talking to everyone in the back. He was at a SmackDown show where he had a meeting with triple H, which probably was a lot more than what the information gave off about him. Quote unquote, getting kicked out. Um, who knows? Uh, you know, like I said, backstage with impact seen everywhere. It seemed. And then showed up at the end of the Elimination Chamber, much to Seth Rollins' chagrin, setting up what should be, I mean, one of the main events at WrestleMania on either Saturday or Sunday night. So just a fucking crazy-ass story. He is a controversial figure. Uh, he's not looking for friends. He's looking to make money. He is fucking Phil Brooks. Love him or hate him. What a fucking concept within this last year, man. Uh, yeah, uh, for sure. I have this a little higher on my list, so I will hold off on on talking about it. But uh, my number three is one that you already had as well, which is uh, Sami Zayn turning on Roman Reigns, basically for all of the same reasons that you said, which is crazy moment. This would have probably ended up being number one on my list if had Sami Zayn actually won in Montreal, which I actually think he probably should have, uh, just because there there's no way they could capture that time in a bottle like they had like that moment would have been so massive that, w- that would have been one of those things that they show years and years and years and now on their video packages leading into you know the hall of fame or you know opening video packages for pay-per-views i, I feel like they really missed the boat on the lightning they had um with that but that being said it did lead to some fun storylines coming out of there and probably the biggest year on the main roster Sami Zayn's ever had so uh, that was my number three all right my number two I don't know why I say it this enthusiastic this is what uh, you were referring to beforehand but god what a gut punch to lose both Bray Wyatt and Jay Briscoe uh, as tragically as it was. Also, just, I mean, lots of wrestlers all around, but like Terry Funk's very much up there, even though he was older. But, you know, just for the families and everything. And and I love that Mark, you know, he might not be taking wins, but it seems like he's got this, I'm going to build myself back up, you know, kind of modern babyface Terry Funk in AEW concept. And, I'm fucking here for it, man. I like all the seeds 
that it looks like, you know, um, Odalis is planting for his return. And I hope the best for them based on what they lost and what their family lost and what wrestling lost um, as far as uh, them. Yeah, I was I was so torn on that one as far as where to put it on the list, just because it it's a big wrestle it's a big moment in the wrestling fan community and, and in wrestling in general, but it's also like such a sad one that it's it's kind of yeah. hard to qualify. So I mean that could have easily this list could be shifted around for, for the most part. I think with the exception of my number one. Um but my number two is CM Punk uh returning to AEW to get fired to then return to WWE. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever see that again. So that might not only just be a big moment in this year's wrestling, but a big moment in wrestling history in general. And the only reason this didn't make number one is, is because my number one is something I never thought I would see happen that you could say the same thing about that. I just said, you know, like, We'll probably never see that ever again in wrestling history. Actually, I know we won't because there's, yeah, I mean, there's only one other company out there that is even close to as big as WWE, and I I don't know that we'll ever see the kind of uh, deal that I have for number one. Yeah, but I don't think it would be a big deal if AEW and Strikeforce uh, went into business together as much as the one that you're alluding at. And, I mean, it has to be the biggest thing, and that is – now TKO uh, Sports Endeavor uh, bought WWE. They own UFC. Now their structure is completely different. This has changed the landscape as far as Triple H is prominently in control of creative. Um, with him being in charge of the creative and 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 um, what the hell booking, if you will, for WWE. While Dana White kind of his position is for UFC. Um, the fact that they want to try stuff together, that this is going to open up more markets across the globe for WWE, that there's going to be different sets now that you can basically think about with UFC based on some of the stuff they creatively, everything in general, this is a huge moment. Vince is still at a very high level and apparently working at a very high level within the business, but he's no, it, this kind of finally puts, the unfortunate but needed nail in the coffin of Vince creatively. Um, there's always going to be influence in what Hunter learned from him, but we saw, and I dealt with, I should say, coming back into watching wrestling around 2016, a lot of fucking bad shit. But then a lot of the stuff outside of it brought me back in, including its, uh, you know, including NXT, which was the farm league for uh, WWE, if you will. But now that this is all in place, now that it's much more, it's all business, this is one big company, I'm very excited about the future of TKO. I think it's awesome. And even Vince has a boss now, which is crazy. Yeah, the most insane moment in wrestling, I mean, maybe even in wrestling history, this is a, this is Vince McMahon selling his company completely. Uh, something I never thought I would see happen. I mean, we talked about it previously that they were trying to sell. I always just thought that would be a way for Vince to continue to keep the chair for as long as he could. And then they ended up selling. It's fucking nuts. Um, Leading to a huge boom in WWE. Honestly, this year has been one of the best years in WWE for a long, long time. 
uh, both business wise and uh, you know as a wrestling fan watching and enjoying their product i think nxt has gotten a lot better um and then obviously everything that we're seeing on raw and smackdown is a thousand times better from like you were saying when when you started when we started this podcast in 2016 um or thereabouts it's it's incredible to see what that company's currently got going on and that they just keep adding to it you know like getting cm punk for instance that's a fucking huge deal <laughs> look like trying to sign currently mercedes monet right like they're not slowing down they got their foot on the throttle it's it's crazy it's something i never thought i would see a a vince mcmanless wwe almost and looking to completely get him out of the chair at some point from everything we've been hearing um to buy out whatever he has left, buy out his contract, and he'll ride off into the sunset or fly his private jet. I guess I don't. I don't know what Vince does when he leaves somewhere because he never. He's never really left. Listening to ACDs. <laughs> yeah, probably. But that was my number one as well. I, I think that it would. It would have been. It would have been very. It'd been impossible to put anything above that as far as big moments and not only wrestling in 2023 but the history of wrestling it may be one of the biggest moments of all time all right so i'm going to be honest with you chris um since you gave me an outline for the list but you kept your choices um and i kind of moved like i said up that first one i mean it's like you wrote pretty much all the huge moments themselves. So I just kind of put it in order, but I will say, uh, after this, I kind of try to differentiate. So hopefully I did a good job of that, but, um, I mean, your shit was right there. So I'm like, I don't want to see this. I'm going to delete it. And I kind of deleted everything else, but all of your moments, I was like, well, I think the order is a little bit different in my opinion, but these are the biggest fucking things. So now I look like an idiot. Yeah. This, I mean, no, because I think those, I think pretty much anyone who was building one of these lists, those would be the things that they would have on it. I mean, maybe if you wanted to, like an honorable mention, you could have Kevin and Sammy winning at Mania. That could have yeah. been. Or The Rock coming back randomly on a SmackDown with Pat McAfee out of nowhere. That was fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, there was there was definitely some other big moments. I mean, you get MJF basically turning babyface. That's a big moment. That's something they could have. But when you look at the five that we laid out there, uh, maybe with the exception of Brock Lesnar and Cody shaking hands, uh, you could make an argument that you could move something else into that spot. But I think those are the five. All right. So I looked at most improved in, in different. Basically, it's for each person. Sometimes it has to do with. Um, them improving as a wrestler in the ring because they're still kind of green. Uh, and some have moved on, I think, to a different level. Those are my two and one. But uh, you can start off on five, and then I will go on my five, and we'll keep on going for most improved wrestler of 2023. So my number five is Tiffany Stratton, uh, someone that I saw a lot of potential in and I think had a much better year in NXT this year. Coming, being daddy's girl to the current character that she's running. I think that she's came a long way and we'll see how long she actually sticks around on NXT, but I can see her having a big future on the main roster. And that's who I have for my number five. 
That's funny because I do as well. And this was a very hard fight between Tiffany Stratton and uh, Masa Slamovich, but um, I really like Masa. I think, like I said, I saw her do a lot of stuff in the tag division uh, this year with Impact, and she's still awesome. Tiffany won the title. She did lose it, but it was to Becky. She's extremely improved as far as an in-ring wrestler. The acrobatics that she knows previously from being a cheerleader and a gymnast, she's applying it, and she's so good. She's becoming kind of like, so if Chris Jericho was a girl and was a mean girl, like that's what you would get with Tiffany Stratton. So I, I love Tiffany. I think she is, you know, almost ready for the main roster, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I agree with everything you said there on that one. Um, I guess moving on to my number four, I have Dominic Mysterio. He, I think he could probably actually even be higher here, but I think as we expected, the more he gets under his belt, the better he is in the ring. I think he had an incredible year. Um, he's more here, not because, not, not, I think it, like positionally he had a, a huge year, right? But that, to me, that is more tied to judgment day. Um, so he's more here just for his improvements in the ring and, and the fact that he's having much better matches. Oh yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you on that. And you will be coming up, uh, a little bit in a little bit on my list. All right, so my number four, I just thought the stuff the House of Black's doing still really, I mean, the two things that's resonating, and that no offense to Buddy and, and, and Malachi, two things that are really resonating out of that group is Brody, because he's a fucking monster and he's able to have awesome matches still, um, and Julia Hart. And I don't know how much I love the whole Venom I, or, or vampire taking over, you know, sky blue. But as far as facial expressions, as far as in ring uh, intensity, especially based on her size, you know, this is a girl that was a fucking cheerleader and like a year, what, two years ago and was 18, probably the youngest there. And she's starting to understand the business and for being smaller, she comes off pretty fucking creepy. So, I'm not saying I'm absolutely enthralled with her match with Abaddon, but um, it will be interesting. Uh, and I think that she has a lot of potential in the future. Yeah, and I think that we saw some uh, – that's actually just going into it. That's my number three is Julia Hart, and for all the reasons that you just stated, but specifically her and Brody King together as almost like a Sean Diesel force – I think has been great for her. And uh, I think that she's had some, some better matches than what we were seeing when she was just part of like basically a manager for the varsity blondes or whatever. Um, outside of seeing her at wrestle on dark and stuff, this is, I guess the most we've seen of Julia Hart, like as far as in ring goes, I think that she had one hell of a three way match to win the title. Um, I like the gimmick outside of the theme song. We've talked about that previously. It's just a personal preference more so than, than anything else. But as far as like a member of house of black, she is the one that I am most intrigued by. Um, and Brody King being tied to that. They're, they're definitely the two highlights of that. And that's not saying, you know, Malachi black and 
uh, has had some good matches and, you know, Buddy Matthews, I think, is an incredible in-ring athlete. He had one hell of a match with uh, Andrade not that long ago. It's it's more that they just are kind of there in that group, whereas Julia Hart has done something or has been giving a storyline that makes her at least stand out uh, and be something different in the women's division that I think they kind of sorely needed. And uh, like I said, the relationship with Birdie King, I think, goes a long way with that. It's been fun seeing Chris Statlander buck up against uh, <laughs> Brody. Brody King, sorry, not Brody. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, the thing with uh, Malachi and Buddy, it's like, just like Andrade, they're kind of two of the guys that, at least from what people say, um kind of would like to be reunited with their significant other on the company where the guy in charge, you know, actually did like them within WWE. So I, I, I don't know if they're coming up on their contract and I'm just not aware of it, or that's the reason why they focus a lot more attention. It seems with Julia and Brody than with Malachi and buddy, even though I believe they're about to, do they have a tag team? Are they feuding? Oh, they're feuding with FTR. That's right. But yeah, and, I mean, and that's that's I think that's the best way to use them, right? At this point, is to have them be a tag team. I mean, a, a lot of this you could look at what they're doing with Judgment Day and apply it to House of Black, and I think it would probably work fine. Um, it's just a little different because Julia Hart kind of fits more in the Dominic <laughs> Dominic role, and uh, Brody fits more in the real role. I think it could go that route and then have your other members be in a tag team. And that would be the best way to probably use the house of black for all the reasons that you just stated. Cause we don't know how long, you know, Alistair's contract is going to be or how long buddy Matthews contract is going to be. And we've already heard that Andrade, while he, he is looking forward to his contract being up so that he can go back to WWE kind of, that's been out there for a while. Uh, he did note that if Tony makes him like a crazy offer, he might stay. So I would, I would, and I guess if you're a fan of a W don't, don't take it like, all right. So the situation with Andrade with Malachi and with buddy, it's, you know, like I keep on alluding to all their significant, all their wives, literally Charlotte's married to Andrade. Uh, even though people are confused, it's not Dominic. That's actually with mommy. That's buddy. And Malachi is with Selena Vega. So I can understand. And also they have a great relationship with Triple H, you know, I don't know where the fuck they're going to put any of them, but I mean, I, I'm sure they'll find space. Yeah. And I mean, it, if you're WWE and you bring those guys in, you could, there's lots that you could do with them. Right. Um, and, and they also give you a time to rotate some new talent in. I'm not, you know, if you're, if you're, Alistair Black, for instance, even coming into AEW has been misused. Some of that might be his yeah. fault with him taking breaks and all that, the other extra stuff that we've heard about with him, um, kind of almost signifying that he was leaving at one point in time. So it, yeah, I'm not going to completely blame that on AEW. But if you're Alistair Black uh, and you remember how Triple H was booking you in NXT, <laughs> you have to think like, Maybe the grass is greener if I go back there now that Triple H is in charge. So that one's not that, that you know, that wouldn't be that surprising to me. Um, Buddy Matthews is another guy that has been completely underutilized because he is one hell of an in-ring worker. 
and you would think that he would fit honestly would have fit more in with the Blackpool Combat Club than House of Black. So I think that he's just he's always been kind of like a weird addition to that group in general. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just weird. Uh, should they set him up like they did with uh, Benoit and uh, Malenko and Eddie? Just put them like, you know, all fucking front row at a Raw or some shit? Uh, I mean, with Alistair, you could have him come in with whatever the hell Bo Dallas is going to be doing, right? That would Maybe be cool. Basically do all another right. black on the other. <laughs> fucking put Karrion Cross and... Uh, what's like put all these fuckers in a group together to have them go against the judgment day or something. I don't know. But like, like you said, we don't know how long their contracts are. They could be there for another. I know Andrade's is up this year. I don't know about the other, yep. you know, Buddy and uh, Alistair as they came in a little later than Andrade, I want to say. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, but I mean, I'm sure we're going to see some of that play out very soon, especially like you said with Andrade. Um, so um, I believe, did you already say your three? Yeah, my three was Julia Hart. We kind of just got, it kind of went back to back because I think you that's right. Her. Yeah. My next one is a guy that in NXT, when I first saw him, I was like, this guy has fucking two left feet and he can talk on the mic. He's fun. But unfortunately, it looks like Carmelo is going to be having this hype guy that's way the fuck taller than him. And within the last year, I think Trick Williams has turned himself into a he could probably stay there for a little bit longer to get some uh, fine seasoning as Carmelo and eventually Ilya and Braun Breaker and, and some of the, the, the females, uh, Tiffany and, and Cora, uh, all head towards the main roster maybe dominate uh, for another year. But I think when trick, you know, Williams, whoop that trick um, comes to the main roster, he's going to have a splash. There is kind of a Booker T element to him that I love. And that Booker is of course uh, always calling out because he loves putting himself over. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, But I think trick Williams He's awesome. He's got a lot of personality. He's getting better and better. He's a tall motherfucker, and he's doing shit that, you know, guys his size should not do while still keeping up a good wrestling match. He's understanding the basics. He's not still as graceful, but sometimes that not it's not necessary. You know, it's, it's not all fighters are graceful. You know what I'm saying? So he's getting the basics. He's good on the mic. He's a great personality. You know, I, I think that he's got a shit ton of potential, Chris. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm a little higher on my list. Um, so I'll talk about him here in a bit. Uh, but my number two, I have Masa Slamovich. I think that she's had a great run in Impact. But really what stood out is all of the matches that she had in GCW wrestling against male talent. And the fact that she's just made herself more known to the industry. I think that she has gotten better in the ring as well. She went from basically just doing squash matches and impact to having some very well thought out, good told, like good storytelling ass matches. And I look forward to seeing, you know, what she does in the future. She's also someone that I look at and go, I think that she would work well in AEW. I think she'd work well in, in WWE. They don't have anyone that's like her in either of those companies. 
Um, so that would be a shitty loss for Impact, but that if you're AEW or WWE, you should be looking at maybe potentially trying to sign her. Um, I, that's my number two, Masa Slamovich. Masa and um, she should be put in a, a, a duo uh, with Ilya Dragunov, like the Russian power or some shit like that. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. Also, still one of the best names in wrestling. I, I absolutely love it. <laughs> Masa Slamovich. All right. My number two, someone that you mentioned. Um, I just, there's a reason why Dominic is now being, all right, Randy, Randy Orton just got back. He had that big ass match, but he was barely in it. You know, the, the, uh, the war games match. Uh, he's going to have a singles match on rod right after that. Who are we going to put him against? Oh, let's do Dominic. Okay. Let's do Dominic. Great person for him to work with. Dominic not only understands the basics really well, and when all of us were saying that he wasn't going to, you know, it's going to be really hard for him without going to NXT and learning some more basics. Uh, you know, he was treat he was taught by his dad and a lot by Lance Torm. So I, I just think that maybe a lot of us just didn't see him being able to get to this level. He's one of the best heels. Um, I mean, he went from the son of his father, which was great. They won the tag titles. Uh, it was, it was a cool moment to standing out and being someone they trust to have, like I said, Randy's first match coming in to have AJ's first match coming back to have CM Punk at Madison square garden two days ago, first match coming back because they trust them as a worker. That's reliable. That's good by itself. The fact that he went and won the NXT North American Championship on top of that, to have that title and to build, trying to build Wesley, unfortunately he got injured, but uh, Dragon Lee would in- inevitably be the person that he had the feud with, which Dragon Lee recently got the title, but still everything with him and Mommy, you know, I'm sure that he could get better on the mic because we never get to actually hear him. Um, but he, I, I just think that Dominic's going to be one of the best heels going forward for a long time. And I can't wait until he tells all of us based on the, you know, the, the birth certificate that Eddie Guerrero is actually his father, because we just need to go over that information. It's, it's, it's bullshit at this point. Yeah. Him, him and punk having interactions is pretty, has been pretty funny. Um, yeah, he had one hell of a year. That's exactly why he made my list as well, for all the reasons that you named. Um, going to my number one, kind of the reason I was talking about last week, the uh, <laughs> of why we should do this as a category this year. I don't know that we've done this one before, but uh, the Trick Williams Award. <laughs> I have Trick Williams as my number one for all of the reasons you stated. As far as in-ring improvement, it's massive. From the first match I saw until what he's been currently doing on NXT, it is, it's night and day. He's a thousand times better. He's always been entertaining, but he's learning how to use just being entertaining to actually work it into a storyline to build up to matches. Uh, to me, as far as like overall improvement, this is like he turned Super Saiyan this year for the first time. That's, that's kind of where he's at. Um, so congratulations to Drake Williams, my number one. All right, so my number one, and I kind of feel 
You know, I didn't think about this until just now, Chris, because I don't think, well, obviously I just heard your full list. I don't think either one of us have them, but I will say there is a good reasoning that EC3 should probably be, or not EC3, I'm sorry. Um, and nothing, not, EC3 won the NWA championship, but thank God he did, because fucking the Rhino Dactyl had it, or whatever the fuck his name is. Um, but EC3 is not who I was referring to. Um, LA Knight, you know, the beginning of this year, he finally says, fuck this, this is not who I am. I'm LA Knight. He's a bad guy. You know, he, he loses. He has that weird bullshit with Bray, the pitch black match, but then all of a sudden picks up and becomes one of the biggest, you know, baby faces in the company. And the reason why I all of a sudden realized this is because it's similar to the reason of who I have for number one. Um, so I, I just wanted to mention that, that EC3, honorable mention for him. Maybe he's been around a little bit longer, but the guy that I have for number one, I've been a huge fan of as an entering wrestler for a very long time. Uh, since I started watching wrestling again, he was on this show called Lucha Underground, and then watching him go to to evolve in MLW, then to NXT, and then to kind of get sidetracked by WWE, it's like ping pong, ping pong, end up in AEW, kind of blending in as just a high flyer, and then saying fuck this, putting on twenty pounds, actually getting a good group together with a great manager. Oh, yeah, by the way, he's a rap producer, you know, and he makes his own beats and shit. So he made his own song, which has cut his own fucking dance because of his goddamn manager. But as I think gotten to a level where it's not just Swerve Strickland is a great in-ring talent. I think he is now a total package. I think he is one of the best guys, you know, at least that has gotten better at the mic, you know, where you can have a great back and forth with MJF and spoiler warning. I don't care where this goes with Samoa Joe or MJF. I think Strickland is taking that world title sometime soon in 2024. So that is my big prediction, but chain swerve Strickland swerve as I drive, you know what I'm saying? I swerve as I drive probably more than whoop that trick. You know, whose house? <laughs> uh, yeah. So like with L.A. Knight and Swerve Strickland, I didn't even think about them when going through this list just because I had so much respect for them and their other companies as top level guys like Eli Drake, for instance, I think was a top level guy in both Impact and NWA before going to uh, WWE. And the same thing with Swerve and both NXT and Lucha Underground. Um, but what you the way you laid it out there. Um, if I was rethinking this list, they definitely could have, both of them could have easily made it. Those are great. That's a great number one. Cause like you said, it's, he is now like a superstar main event package. Whereas before these, you know, the, in those smaller companies, he was more like a great wrestler. Um, so I, I think that's a great number one day. Well, I thank you. Good, sir. All right, let's do the next one. Best commentary team of uh this last year i have for my team the uh aw um collision uh with what i think has turned into a really great group 
with Nigel McGuinness, basically heel commentator, uh, pointing out more of the technical stuff, kind of having that Taz same concept. Uh, Kevin Kelly, who was actually not the color commentator, but more going into the history, like a Mike Tanay and breaking down certain moves that Tony, who now is doing play-by-play like WCW, it's actually working out really good for them. I think that they're a great commentary team. I also wanted to mention that as far as pay-per-views and covering pay-per-views, it doesn't matter if it was Michael Cole and Pat McAfee or when Corey came back from you know his, his wife having his kid and then him being back to then Pat leaving. And even though I like Pat returning, that that mix, whether it be three of them, two of them, for pay-per-views has been really good for uh, for Re- WrestleMania, for all the major pay-per-views. So it's kind of my uh, my honorable mention. Yeah, I guess honorable mention in general would just be Michael Cole with anyone. I think that he, you know, with Triple H kind of coming more in the fold and not having Vince McMahon constantly in his fucking ear, he has grown <laughs> he leaps and bounds is way more... Way more of what I would expect for a lead announcer in WWE, so I, I will agree with you uh, on that as far as an honorable mention goes. I went with my favorite commentary team to listen to. Uh, I think the one that you laid out is actually better at calling matches and building the match up as far as story goes, but the one that entertains me the most is Excalibur, Taz, and Tony Schiavone. Uh, they make me corpse like at least five times every time they're doing commentary, so... That is who I have as my best commentary team, which is, I guess, for a different reason than why most people would vote for a commentary team. But uh, I'm also a person that doesn't pay too much attention to the commentary most times, and they seem to draw me in. Uh, so that's that's why I have them as my best commentary team. No, they're a lot of fun. They have a lot of camaraderie. You can tell they hang out. Uh, they they definitely bust each other's balls constantly, so they're definitely an entertaining uh, commentary team for sure. Um, it's kind of like how I feel like I know a lot of people don't, but I actually like Booker T and Vic Joseph because Vic Joseph is really good at his job. And he's also really good at dealing with Booker T when he says stupid shit. <laughs> Booker T says stupid shit all the damn time, but it's fucking hilarious. And he riles him up. So it's the, the camaraderie, I guess you could say between the, between yeah. people. Yeah, and you know that I think it would be different if you're like a first-time viewer. If you're a first-time viewer, I think the commentary team that you have at your number one is the one that you would want to watch because they do a way better job of explaining uh, the match, what's happening. Like you said, the history. Um, They give you kind of an idea of what good and evil is with Nigel obviously being the heel commentator. I think it's like a traditional commentating team. They're probably the best, but as far as the one that entertains me the most... uh, my favorite uh that's excalibur taz and, and tony and mostly because like you said the camaraderie and the ball busting i, I just find this shit funny absolutely all right we got another single one for you guys out there worst fucking gimmick or storyline or whatever um you know this is really hard I think you picked one that I was thinking about picking myself because it was that bad, but I don't know. Um, what the fuck was the name of the group with with um, Paige, Tony Storm, 
the wannabe NWO shit. I can't even remember. That was garbage. I really want to say that modern, probably the one that I didn't like because I just didn't care and they kept on pushing it. <laughs> Chris Jericho. Uh, what were they called? The Golden Jets? Were they called the Golden Showers? Kenny didn't give a fuck about it. He was worried about his goddamn stomach, understandably so. But uh, whatever the fuck they were trying to do. I mean, it was a cool idea to have him in the tag team. That whole promo was so hard to watch and got so goddamn awkward. And I felt bad literally for mostly, um, what should we call it, Ricky Starks. Because he was getting shots taken at him that weren't even that good. And also it was just, there was so much fucking like live air, if you will. Oh, God, it was just terrible. But, it, Chris, I, I think it has to be QTV, man. I think that that is the worst of the worst. QTV is terrible for multiple reasons. Like, it's a knockoff of TMZ, which I already don't give a shit about. It's led by a wrestler that I don't think is that good as far as uh, promo, look, um, anything he's Don't been give a shit. I just don't care about <laughs> and it's a waste of fucking uh John Morrison and, and his lovely wife to some extent. <laughs> you could have could have had them doing something else. Uh I don't know unless John Morrison has some kind of secret injury we're unaware of. Why the fuck is he not out here in this tournament having incredible mat? I mean the whole reason you would have brought him in you would think would be to have good matches with some of the younger guys in AEW to help get them over instead he's backstage doing fucking video segments with like qt marshall the fuck this is the worst this was by far the worst thing uh honorable mention and i don't remember if they got fired before this year or not but it would have been maximum mel models for me um, oh god which was also pretty oh awesome. god uh, that's not. That's just a terrible gimmick that WWE gave someone. Whereas QTV, I think, is something that the performers cooked up, <laughs> and it was terrible. So hopefully this uh, this is good news for Johnny TV. Hopefully we'll see now that QT is officially gone from AEW as a as a wrestler. Well, maybe he'll get a job at TMZ. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, all right, let's go to the tag teams of the year. This is a a big one. This is the last one before our tens, our last three. So this is five choices, but, you know, tag teams. We've got a lot of good ones. So let's start off. Honorable mention, the current champions in AEW, Big Bill and Ricky Starks have had good matches, had a damn good match against FTR. Um they're good, but they really haven't been used. So I just wanted to mention them. But let me get to my five, Chris. Motor City Machine Guns. They've had good matches as a tag team. They haven't won the titles, though, at least this year. But they've both been the top two championships. Chris Saban lost it and then won it again to beat his own record for most X Division championship wins, who's already a past world champion. And then you have Alex Shelley, who's on this amazing track and having a great year as the world champion. So as a tag team, they're doing flawless. But then again, their tag team itself, they're more focused on their single stuff, but they're still a tag team. Does that make sense what I'm saying, Chris? 
Yeah, and I there's that's kind of the reason I don't have them higher on my list, but they are on my list. Um, because every tag match they've had has been really good, but they're also not a big part of the tag division because they're so wrapped up. Uh, being the main event, uh, the main event in the mid-card main event with them both having, you know, titles. So it's kind of, it is kind of weird for Motor City Machine Guns. Um, but it's also like a very exciting time if you're fans of either of those guys, because they've also been on one hell of a singles run this year with some great tag matches sprinkled in. They're, they're in, they're in my top five. They're not at the top. They're not at the bottom. So when I get there, I'll, I'll, I'll mention them. I definitely want to shout out um, both uh, the the Rascals, uh, who you know have been able to come back since Zach got kicked out of Impact, and he's there with uh, Trey Miguel. I think they're the current tag champs. They've been great. Another Impact tag team, ABC, who had the belts uh, and beat and had a couple matches and beat uh, the Motor City Machine Guns, and I think lost to the Rascals. Um, but that's ABC, which is Ace Austin and fucking um, Chris Bay, who are amazing. So definitely want to just note uh, some great stuff over at Impact and put them over real quick before I get to my number four, Chris. Uh, I, I mean, should, they. I should get my number five, I guess. I didn't do that. Um, oh, I, I'm I, sorry. I, I didn't realize it. Yeah, I got Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn as my number five. I think they had some, it's more because of the storyline itself, and they did have some decent tag matches, uh, but they're both one hell of a, like, they had hell of matches when they were together. It just was such a short-lived thing. It was hard for me to put them any higher than five, but I have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn here. Absolutely. Okay. Um, uh, All right, so now, number four, I mean, they beat Sami and Kevin, They've had the title since then. Um, it's been a part of their dominating faction. And, I mean, it's been, since they do have a Freebird concept, it's been defended by Finn and, um, oh, what's the newest? Uh, damn it, I never can fucking remember this dude's name. His his little, uh, his lackey that they keep on kicking the shit out of. Really good wrestler. J.D. JD McDonough? J.D. I've seen, obviously, the newer one. I've seen Finn and J.D. McDonough. I've seen, obviously, Finn or Damien and, you know, Dominic. But mostly it's been Finn and and Damien Priest. And they're, they've been great in matches. It, they're just a great, I think, unit. I think that it's more they're on them because they're the villain unit than maybe someone that could use it. And we'll see what happens soon of whoever takes that off of them within the future. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're the champions currently. They've had them for most of some or what the summer, basically, and they beat and dethroned the beloved Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Yeah, and I probably actually should have them on my list, so I guess I'll make them as an honorable mention. It's just because of the free bird rules thing and the fact that they've rotated so many members in and out to defend the tag titles. I have It's like... I didn't even think about them as like a tag team, even though they have that. It's more of like they're a faction, right? Um, which I guess you could say the same thing about the New Day to some extent. Uh, but yeah, that's that's one I omitted from my list that probably deserves to be on here. So I will I will mark them as an honorable mention. 
Um, my number four is probably going to piss a lot of people off, but I don't think they had that great of a year, mostly because they were stuck in the trios division for so long in AEW. Uh, I have the Young Bucks at number four. I think they had some incredible matches. Um, this is down from last year as far as where I have them positioned as, and it's just because when I think about their this most of this last year, I think about them having trios matches. Uh, outside of the one match with FTR. Yeah. I mean, I can I can understand why they would be on your list. Uh, I actually, I don't think I have them on my list, but, um, you know, I, it, it is because, like you said, they were a bit swept up with the uh, trio belts. Um, my next uh, team is a team that, I'm very looking forward to seeing what happens with them. It's kind of like how I feel about the placement of Imperium and those two gentlemen as a tag team. If they don't break up, you know, they're just, they operate as a great heel tag team. I feel very similar in almost like a uh, original midnight express, you know, back when it was Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry, um, more so than anything else. And this is Aussie open who I'm referring to. And specifically, I think they're, they're great as a tag team. I think I saw some awesome matches, um, with them in it, uh, throughout the whole entire time. And I like the stuff with FTR. I like the stuff with Adam and Adam Cole and, uh, MJF Kyle Fletcher, man, definitely has to be said, He's one hell of a fucking wrestler. So looking forward to seeing what he does the most, but still a damn good tag team. And I think had a pretty good year holding the ROH titles for a while and kind of developing themselves as one of the top tag teams in AEW and ring of honor. Yeah, I have them a little higher on my list, so I'll go ahead and give my uh, number three. My number three is the Motor City Machine Guns, for all of the reasons that we kind of talked about earlier. Um, that being said, they're probably my favorite tag team on this list, but as far as what they did this year, being that they were so tied up in the singles uh, singles matches so much, it kind of that it kind of knocked them down a little bit. So they're they're uh, sitting at my number three. All right. You mentioned them earlier. Uh, it was the story itself that definitely brought a lot to this. We saw Sammy swept up, you know, being a part of a group that, for the most part, especially with the leader, really didn't give a shit about him. Um, maybe a little bit, but it was more of like, you know, someone that he can get to do his bidding. Um, and it was the hottest storyline last year. It's still a very hot storyline, I think, this year, too. Um, and, you know, with... Right after, you know, this, or the start of this year, I should say, you have him and Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens, and we kind of just... T we talked about this, and Kevin Owens just gets his clock cleaned um, by the Usos and the tribal chief himself and you know roman expects sammy to do something he clocks him uh and then later we see sammy in quebec 
uh, lose, but still have an incredible match. And like I said, definitely one of my honorable mention with Roman Reigns um, at Elimination Chamber. If Roman had an incredible match with KO, like I said, at Royal Rumble. So this now gets it into the Usos, who are the tag team champions, going against um, Sammy and Kevin Owens, building the WrestleMania, and all the shit in between, all the mind games, everything. And it, I don't think, and I understand it was great having the tag team um, be the main event, even though I think it was the second, probably the second best match for both nights. The first match, or my favorite match, which we'll talk about later on, I think should have been the main event, but whatever. I digress. They were both great. Um, it's just Rhea Ripley and fucking Charlotte just went to a different level. But these guys destroyed each other. There was stuff going in the audience. They fucking fought everywhere. And then to have the ending where Sammy finally gets Jay right the fuck at the other side and gets to hit him. I think he hit him with like three Haluva kicks uh, to get the win, and the place went ape shit. They went banana, and uh, it was an awesome moment. And uh, they were a fun tag team, and we saw them not only in the rematch, but also have great matches with other teams. And uh, yeah, until they lost them to Judgment Day, another great tag match. Um, they were uh, they were a great tag team, you know. We, 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 we fucking got, you know, Steen and Generico again, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's like expected, right? That they were going to be great because <laughs> they were so awesome in Ring of Honor as a tag team. Um, yeah, some great matches for sure from those guys. I think one of my favorite moments in WWE as far as like a move or a big like photograph moment is uh, Kevin Owens hitting that senton in the crowd wearing the fucking hockey jersey that was uh that was pretty cool so <laughs> uh, they, they made my list just a little lower um i i for my number two i have ozzy open for all of the reasons you laid out and i think they also had some of the best tag matches in aew uh, working with ftr and uh you know their run with the ring of honor titles i look forward to seeing where these guys go next um, I think Kyle Fletcher is kind of the standout member, which you kind of alluded to, but they're one hell of a tag team. And one of the positive things I can say about the AEW tag team division currently that has been kind of, I don't want to say forgotten about, but not focused on in the way that they uh, they were planning on. Yeah. You know, plans have to change. Um for the worst because well, it's another fucking set of titles for absolutely no goddamn reason and make all your tag teams be trios but but that's a different story yeah. for a day. so just to let you guys know we're not doing the top five uh trios tag teams um so i apologize if you're looking forward to that but uh i agree with uh i agree with chris wholeheartedly what a fucking you know and it is both sides but i hope they start realizing especially in AEW, like Hey man, we got a lot of good tag teams. What the fuck's going on? You know, uh, when you got Top Flight back, you, he does. They don't have to be in a trio with Action and Dread. Eh? Um, they're back. You have the Hardys. What the fuck are they doing? Oh, they're on Rampage. That makes a lot of sense. You just had, and 
regurgitated the ending of making Santana and Ortiz, who had their ending of the fight match on Rampage, which was actually really good, really good match. And it seems like they're cool, and apparently they're cool from beforehand. So why not get LAX back together? Uh, FTR's trying. You know, Aussie Open, obviously, uh, not Fletcher, but the other gentleman uh, hurt himself. But that's a tag team you have. Uh, you suggested, which I think is great, Jay, Jay uh, Lethal and, and Mark Briscoe as a tag team would be fucking dope. Like, who am I forgetting? There's a fucking million goddamn tag teams. And there's, like, what what the hell are we doing? Let's put up where, where's private party. Where's the Lucha brothers? Wait, wait, what are Phoenix we? is Phoenix is healed up. He just said that they're, he's coming back soon. So I think that they should defunct the trios titles um, and keep it simple, stupid and rebuild that tag division to what it was. Cause it was one of my favorite things about AEW was how many great tag teams they had and the fact that they were highlighting tag matches, not giving them like eight minutes, but letting them go like, you know, 20, 30 minutes and giving you some good storytelling. Uh, And coming off a year where you had some of the best tag matches I've seen maybe ever or in a very long time with FTR versus the Briscoes, you would think you would want to follow that up strong, but they've kind of dropped the fucking ball. Shit, think about uh, the Righteous. Think about uh, the Kingdom, another great tag team they got on their arsenal. I mean, uh, you can put, uh, I thought they were going to do this, put Shane Taylor and Keith Lee in a fucking heel big guy. Um, I mean, there's so many fucking, so many good tag teams. The Acclaim doesn't, it's just like, I love Billy Gunn, and I know they're the champs, but like the Acclaim, I think we're appealing as a tag team, where Billy was there. I don't, I, I don't fucking know. I mean, we could just use a tag team division is all we're fucking saying, damn it. Jesus. <laughs> I should have had the guns on my most improved as well, because I think they've gotten a lot better. Oh, yeah, that's another team. Fucking have gotten really good. Um, but they did not make my top five this year, uh, so I will give them an honorable bin, uh, honorable mention because I do think they've gotten a hell of a lot better. Uh, all right. Um, so I'm assuming, because I haven't heard it, maybe I'm wrong and I'll make myself look stupid, but I think I know your number one because it's my number one and they had the tag titles for a while. They just came off the year previous, like we keep on saying, having these ridiculous matches with the Briscoes. Um, there's going to be a mention of a tag match they randomly had on a collision that was two out of three falls uh, with uh, Juice Robinson and Jay White. That was fucking one of the best tag team matches I've seen in a very long time. Um, they had, even though they lost titles, they had a great match with Ricky Starks and Big Bill, who Big, Big Bill's another guy also, just a, he's definitely improved a lot, especially as a big guy in the ring. Um, but just have been on fire. Yeah, they don't have the titles, but it's like they're kind of the spectacle in the tag division. If FTR's in a match against anyone, it's – and I'm talking about FTR, obviously. If they're in a match against anyone on a pay-per-view, it doesn't fucking matter. It's going to be good, and the titles don't even need to be involved. It just – they've had the titles, what, three times now? how many titles they won previously at the same time the year before Marks is awesome. Dax is basically this generation's Arn Anderson, you know, it's just, 
FTR is a, a real fucking tag team, and they have, you know, if they go against Aussie Open, they they have a general style fucking wrestling match. But if they're doing stuff with guys that are a little more high flyers, now they're trying shit that you wouldn't think that, especially, um, uh, what should we call it? Uh, Cash would even fucking attempt, but. You know, lo and behold, they'll do anything, have any style match that can work with everyone. That's that's it. And in a time period where we didn't have the Bucks as much, and it's not like fuck it, Tama Tonga and Tongalo will have them in a tag team in a minute. Um, like a lot of the big tag teams, I would say, on each platform. Uh, the New Day haven't done a lot, you know what I'm saying? So it's like... Unfortunately, the Briscoes are out of that equation. FTR is still one of those guys that's like, yeah, man, that's a tag team. I get, I don't know. That's that's the only way I can say it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy looking at this list because I think the only carryover that I have from last year is the F, is FTR and the Bucks. Because um, Motor, Mach- Motor City Machine Gun hadn't came back full time then. But yeah, like when you think about like the Usos and uh, they're being like in a storyline where they're against each other for the most part. Um, the Lucha Brothers were hurt most of the year. Tamatanga and Tungalo, same kind of thing. Um, yeah, most of the big tag teams we normally would have on this list were either tied up in some garbage, uh, <laughs> injured or not part of any kind of major storylines. Uh, I have FTR at number one, same as you, and partially because I think they had the best matches. Uh, they, they had a good title run. Obviously, they lost the titles, but it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't matter if you put their tag match on a show. It doesn't matter if they're going against the fucking Guns or the Street Profits, or not Street Profits, but a Private Party or the Hardys. I think they're going to make that a spectacle and something to watch. They're the... They are a tag team in the truest sense. I, I mean, there's a lot of reason why them and the Bucks work so well. It is almost Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart when it comes to those two tag teams. And they gave us another one of those matches this year, and it was as good as I expected it would be. So FTR, and, and like you said, the, the two out of three falls match that they had, they're, they're clear. Um, shit, I think we lost you, Chris. Why can't we just fix this real quick? Hey, I think I lost you for a second. Oh. Did you hear about me talking about FTR? All right. Well, that was great. Hey. Can you hear me? Yes. It put you on hold for some reason. Um. So I don't know if like a notification popped up or something, but uh, yeah, I was just, I was reiterating everything that you said about FTR. I have them at number one. I think they had, they had the highest quality matches, um, whether it was their match against the elite or the best two out of three falls match or their match against Aussie open. There's something to be seen. It doesn't matter. Like you said, it doesn't matter who you put them in the ring with. They'll find a way to drag a good match out of them. And I mean, to some extent, they're the Bret Hart of the tag division, right? And the Bucks are the Shawn Michaels of the tag division there in AEW. And it, it, it's great to see those guys have the few that they have. Uh, it sucks we won't get more Briscoe's matches versus FTR, but 
that is what it is, unfortunately. Um, I just hope going forward, AEW has more focus on their tag division in general, kind of what we were just talking about, because when they're fully clicking and they actually have a focus on their tag division, it's kind of untouchable. But right now, if I had to pick like the best TV show, if you like tag team wrestling, I'm kind of leaning towards Impact. So I think AEW has kind of dropped the ball a little bit there, and uh, WWE, as always, their focus is on more what storylines they can build out of the tag division right now and not actually having a tag division. Yep, I think I would definitely agree with you. And hopefully that is, uh, you know, changed within the future. But, yeah, Impact, the fast-paced but still really hard-hitting stuff that they're doing over there. They've they've been they've been uh, building a, a really good tag division. Not only that, just oh, I love that we don't have to call it Impact anymore, TNA, which is weird. Um, they're building a good tag division. They, I think that after they built an Ultimate Women's Division, and they already have a great heavyweight division and also a great X Division division, I think they've done the same thing with their tag team division. So, you know, because you, you you got a lot of stuff like that. You got a lot of a uh, lot of good tag teams over there. I'm extremely worried for this AEW pay-per-view speaking of TNA tonight, because I feel like there's a couple places where they may give us like a TNA ass swerve when it comes to like unveiling the devil, for instance, or the Eddie Kingston versus Moxley match. <laughs> for some reason, I feel like yeah. some LOL TNA moments. <laughs> and at some point, uh, don't say that at some point, I'm going to have to start calling it LOL AEW. So they need to they need to be careful. <laughs> yep. Um I agree with you, man. But we'll we'll see what happens on that show. I think that there is a there might be a TNA pay-per-view. Maybe there was one last night. I don't know. But um I think they, I think it's at the beginning it, of the year because that's when they're doing the official branding switchover, if I remember right. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, either way, do you want to go over the 10 women of this year within pro wrestling? Let's do it. I had a harder time making the 10 women list than I did the 10 male list this year. So, uh, Me too. All right. Well, my 10, um, we talked about her earlier. Uh, really athletic. Uh, got the NXT Women's Championship. Um you know, is showing a lot of progress, especially not only some of the crazy Rob Van Dam, what the fuck are you doing gymnast shit that she's doing in the ring, but also just being a really fucking good heel and someone you don't like. And that's Tiffany Stratton. Um, I think that she has a lot going for her. Um, and I think that she's someone that definitely could be higher on this list, uh, you know, maybe next year when we're doing this. But I also want, just as, as uh, you know, there are a lot of women. Asuka's not on my list. I think she's great. I know I'm pretty sure she was the champion going the, into Mania against Bianca. I just, and I love the new look. It's just, there's there, there's a lot of fucking great female wrestlers, man, this year. So it was, I don't have Mar, uh, Mercedes Monet. And I think her and Kari Sane had an incredible match. Um, I don't have Kari Sane on this. So it's like, uh, um. It was it was hard to fucking figure out this shit, but that's all I have to say. There's a lot of of great female talent in Impact and AEW and New Japan now through with Stardom. Um, 
WWE, it's NXT, all of them have some badass talent. So, uh, and uh, timeless Tony Storm. You can say what you want about her, but she's gotten that fucking over to that audience. Uh, it's it's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll say that on, on my end. I, I don't I don't dislike it, but it's uh, it's it's uh, it's strange. But uh, that's another person, and technically, you know, she won the title twice this year, so that's good too. So I, I don't have her on my list though. But just wanted to mention some people that are uh, not on my list. Uh, but. A lot of great fucking female wrestlers. Naomi came back in Trinity and she had an amazing match against Mickey James, uh, which I think was Mickey's retirement uh, match on the last pay-per-view fucking phenomenal. But yeah, they didn't make my list. So do you want to, do you want to, do you have anything, do you have anything to say? And do you want to give me what your uh, number, uh, number 10 is? I think I actually have Tiffany Stratton as number 10 uh, as well, but this was close between her and Tam Nakano. Unfortunately for Tam Nakano, I just didn't get to see as much of her stuff in stardom as I would have liked. But she did have one of my favorite women's matches of the year, um, her versus Carrie at uh, Wrestle Kingdom 17. I think was a fucking phenomenal match. And I know that she had a few other great matches that I can't think of right now in stardom. Unfortunately, you know, we can't keep up with everything, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if she is a lot fucking higher on this list next year. I think she's someone to look out for uh, in the future. And then Tiffany Stratton's my number 10 for all the reasons that you said. I think she's improved greatly. Um, I mean, you could give her a couple more months in NXT if they wanted to, but I pretty much think that she's ready for the main roster. Something to do there for sure. Yeah, and I saw two great matches, like you said, with Nakano with Kari, and then also with Kari Sane with um, Mercedes Monet. Both those were great fucking matches. And it, honestly, my judgment on wrestlers, yeah, obviously if you accumulated um, championships, that gives you a leg up. But also was because there were so many good fucking matches this year. You know, there was a lot of good work rate across the board. So that's another thing of just uh, looking at it. On different perspectives, but um, I think I'm on number nine. Okay, number nine, uh, Julia Hart. Uh, I think Julia is awesome. Everything I said about her before, and I, I think that she's got a shitload of potential. She understands a lot of the simple things in wrestling. Um, you know the way that she hits the ropes. Uh, Bully Ray was put, putting over some. I can't remember what exactly, but something naturally she did. Uh, in a match, she's getting the small stuff, the facial expressions, this persona is going great. I like her as the champion, uh, and even more so than the one, the person that she beat, um, which was, uh, fuck, what the hell? What's the alien girl, Chris? Love her to death. Chris Statlander? Yeah, Chris Statlander. She, you know, even though she beat her, Chris Statlander was a great champion. I think Julia is really resonating with me with that title. So Julia Hart uh, would be my number nine. My number nine. Number nine. I, for me, I just didn't see enough matches from Julia to put her on my list. But I, for all the reasons you said, she definitely could be an considered an honorable mention. Um, my number nine, I have Carrie, uh, and pretty much because she had. A, she had two of my favorite women's matches from last year, the one with Mercedes Monet and the one with Tam Nakano. Also, she had a good run with the stardom title. 
she would have been higher on this list, but she basically was inactive for like three to four months when her stardom contract went out and she joined WWE. So she just recently came back to WWE and has had one hell of a run so far there. So uh, for anyone out there that wants to. Yeah, she was in a war games. <laughs> yeah, for anyone out there that wants to say she should be higher on the list, I totally understand. Uh, I just, you know, she did have a like three or four month gap where she wasn't doing anything at all. So I had to take that in consideration. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think that's uh that's not understandable or anything like that. Um, all right. So the next person I have and I know people are going to like, dude, I love Bianca Belair and I'm. it's not an insult for her to be at eight, but. She did have a good match with Asuka. She had a, one of the best matches I've ever seen at WrestleMania the year before with um, Mercedes Monet, Sasha Banks. Uh, but this year, she had some great matches. Uh, she was also a part of that awesome War Games match that we were just talking about. Um, she had a, a nice run, and then EO cashed in on her. Um, she didn't do anything bad in the ring. I just think that she's been more... You know, as, as a, a a stable person to be within the women's division, I want to see Bianca change direction real fucking soon. Because I think that I've been saying it for a long time she can maybe be the the more bitchy, like uh, kind of like a female rock type of concept where she's into herself. But I would rather her her just be a heel in general, honestly. But we'll see what happens. But Bianca still. She needs to be named. She is a badass, and she still does some crazy-ass shit in the ring. So, Miss Bianca Belair, who I think is going to have a good year in 2024. I have her a little higher, so I'll get to her here in a bit. Um, not much higher, actually, but um, I have Deanna Perazzo at number eight. I think that she could easily be higher on this list. Uh, she's fucking phenomenal. The Impact Women's Division is going to be heavily represented on my list. So that is kind of why she <laughs> got bumped down to eight here. But uh, absolutely love her. I think she's fucking phenomenal. She's been carrying the Impact Women's Division for quite some time. I feel like that maybe she took a little bit of a step back this year, just not doing as much. But uh, the matches that she's had on that show have been really great. So, yeah, that's my number eight. And I, like I said, I could easily see her being higher on other people's lists. Well, she's only a little bit higher um, on my list. And that, you know, and, and no offense to her. Deanna Prazo is amazing, uh, but she is actually my number seven. And the reason why is because, um, you know, she had a much more dominate. She was like fucking the champ champ. The year before, actually, I think she had three belts. She, she pulled like a female Kenny Omega with three female world titles, one in Impact, one in Mexico, and one somewhere else. I don't remember. But, you know, just dominating year. This year has been great. She, not as much as, not as much as like I was alluding to with Bianca. She's still a huge player, but she's kind of like, like maybe what we were saying about FTR, like Deanna, she's won everything fucking here. So she's going to lose a lot of the big matches, but be the person that you have to beat to get to the final boss, if you will, you know, or the final boss itself. 
as far as defending your title. Awesome matches with uh, Trinity. Um, just just good matches all around. But this is also the year where they didn't cool her down, but she's taken a couple losses, and we don't know where she's going. You know, a lot of people think, like me included, Steve Macklin's in uh, Impact. Maybe she'll resign. She's had other offers. So they've kind of at least cooled her down enough to where you don't know, which I actually think is smart by Impact. Because if she stays, it's a big deal. And if she leaves, she peters out gracefully, you know. So, uh, But Deanna Perrazzo, wherever she goes, if she stays in Impact, TNA, whatever, she's going to be – She's great, man. She's one of the best technical wrestlers they have in the industry, period. Yeah, and I think you and I both had her in our top three last year. Um, so she, she's going to be great wherever she goes. It's still baffling me that WWE ever released her to begin with, uh, but we've talked about that in the past. She's phenomenal. Uh, I think that you're dead on with as far as them cooling her down not necessarily intentionally they did have a lot of stuff where she was kind of a manager for macklin there for a little bit so that kind of hurt her ranking but like like you said incredible performer um my number yeah it was like sorry it was like uh they gave her and steve back the belts well steve got it for the first time but it was both like uh two months and then they they flipped them immediately afterwards but at first you know for for that little time period they had the belts together which was cute you know yeah it was a it was a fun moment and there were some good matches in there uh yeah absolutely yeah uh for my number seven of oscar i think that she had one hell of a return this was like i said this was harder for me than the males list as far as ordering um because I, I could see an argument to be made that she should technically be a little higher but one hell of a year for oscar she's been incredible just continues to do Oscar ass shit, which I love. And uh, her YouTube channel was great. So <laughs> if you guys aren't subscribed to that, go subscribe to it. Yeah, I love Oscar. Always have, always will. Um, all right, so I've seen her matches that people have said, hey, you need to, and especially this last one that she just had uh, to reclaim her title that she's pretty much had i mean it's been longer than a year i believe but it's athena that i have at number six um the former amber moon she is a force to be reckoned with she had the main event i forgot the girl that went against her but it's actually someone that she's been kind of teaching over the years um and they fucking she when it comes to dominant champion and like, I don't watch Ring of Honor week to week, but I've seen a lot of her matches. She's been in the main event quite a few times now in the pay-per-views, including this last one, the final, uh, um, what the hell, final battle or whatever. Uh, and she deserved it. They, Like I said, she had an excellent match. I'm glad because it's more she's, well, how, how can I say this? I always thought Everman was a great wrestler. When she came back and she got the title i thought she was being on the dark matches with some of the uh no-name wrestlers a bit aggressive and she got called out about it. she got pretty pissy but kind of used it within her new heel persona but i think she's more just dominating it as a wrestler i don't think she's done that as of recently and a lot of the matches i've seen have been some fucking awesome matches so um 
where she is right now as a women's champion and everything else, I'm going to put Athena at number six. Uh, Athena kind of got admitted from my list just because I have not watched a ton of Ring of Honor. I heard that she's had one incredible run, so I'm glad that she made it on your list. It's just I, with in good conscience, I there's nowhere I, no way I could put her on here just because I think I've watched maybe three episodes of Ring of Honor, um, so I have missed the majority of that. It would be nice to see her more on the pay per views in the primary product for AEW on a weekly basis. But unfortunately, that's not the case. So uh, she she did not make my list. Uh, at my number six, I have someone you've already mentioned, which is Bianca Belair. Um, not as strong of a year as she had the past two years, but still a good year. It's great to see her back. I'm excited to see what they set up for her at Mania, because I'm assuming that she will have one of the women's main event matches, I would think. Uh, but yeah, love Bianca Belair, great female wrestler and, uh, a little bit down from last year on my list, but, uh, a well-deserved number six. Yes, very well-deserved. I think, um, on your list or just any list, she's a great wrestler and, um, hopefully she makes it higher on both of ours next year. Um, all right, who do I have next? Number five, Io Sky. Um, I think a little bit of her championship reign has been boggled down because of the constant need to be a part of damage control. Sometimes I've liked it more recently. Uh, and a lot of times, I, I mean, I'm hoping that all of them just, you know, the the three badass, um, you know, Yoshi... Japanese female wrestlers just beat the shit out of Dakota Kai and Bailey and just goodbye. Um, I think that might happen. And then we have, I'm assuming Bailey and EO sky at mania. Maybe who knows? I'm not actually trying to fantasy book, but EO between the crazy shit. I mean, she was the highlight of the female elimination chamber. She's had the title for a long time since she cashed in on Bianca Belair. Um, I love the videos of her just, Super excited, wide-eyed, like a like a child that drank way too much caffeine with her title and just smiling and screaming and shit like that. She's so damn cute, but she's also a badass. And uh, she's a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, yeah, number five, EOS guy. My number five, I have Becky. Um, I mean, just consistently great. Uh, unfortunately, she did have some injuries this year that held her back on my list a little bit. but. I think a well-deserved number five. I, within good conscience, I could not leave her off of this list. Sorry about that. My throat got a little dry. All right, so after EO, that's funny because number four for me is Becky. Um, she, yeah, like you said, gaming, coming off an injury, um, but you know, when she came back, she made it known she had a little bit of a, a title run in NXT, uh, taking out Tiffany Stratton and putting over, 
Uh, it's like Valkyrie. I cannot remember her name for the life of me. Good wrestler. Um, and then, you know, she comes back to the main roster. Uh, she's had great back and forth with lots of wrestlers. Her match with Trish in the cage match should have sucked. That match was awesome. Besides the stupid involvement with Zoe Stark towards the end, that was a match where I was really surprised Trish did some of the stuff she did. And I thought Becky looked great. Um, and then, you know, her in Elimination Chamber, her and Charlotte hugging, that was a big-ass fucking moment. Um, you know, since real heat. Uh, and then stuff with her and Nia. She's, she's just a superstar, man. She's, uh, she's great. Yeah, and she continues to be one of the most over people on their entire roster. So it's it's going to be hard to ever not have her pretty high on the list, you know, uh, when it comes to this, simply because it, it, even if she has four matches a year, those four matches will probably be pretty damn good and important. And she'll she seemingly always has the crowd to back her. So it's an incredible, incredible thing to see. Um, yeah. One person I do not have on this list, but I have as an honorable mention is Charlotte Flair. I think Charlotte Flair had some great matches this year, but I didn't, I don't know. I didn't see enough. I I didn't see enough to put her over some of the other people I have on this list from Charlotte, if that makes sense. Uh, So everyone can go ahead and throw eggs at me if they want. She's still probably my favorite female wrestler of all time outside of this list. So just a heads up to everyone. I do not have her on this list. So if you're waiting for it, it ain't happening. My number four, <laughs> number four is Jordan Grace. I think she came back with a fucking vengeance over the past six months, and uh, has been incredible to watch. Impact Women Division, once again, uh, has really stepped up its game over the past two or three years, and she has been a big part of that. And in one of my favorite female wrestlers. Yeah, no, Jordan is. Fucking awesome, and that's funny that you said that because she's actually my next one at uh, number three, Jordan Grace. Just the, I mean, when when the juggernaut's there, she's dominating. She'll have a great match with Deanna Perrazzo. She'll have another fucking fantastic match against Trinity. She takes on every single person there, um, you know, kind of developing a, a friendship with Killer Kelly and Mosh Slamovich as three just badass chicks you wouldn't want to fuck with and um being a big part of that that reunion for the uh, anniversary special uh you know winning the title she just jordan grace is great and then outside of stuff you know she has been doing bodybuilding and doing great within that so she took a little bit of a break but uh came back and just recently had a uh, wrestling match against her husband jonathan gresham on at some promotion where they beat the shit out of each other. Apparently, apparently that's good for couple therapy, uh, Chris. That's what <laughs> she said. That's hilarious. I'm gonna have to go check that out. I did not. Uh, I did not see that, but now I'm, I want to know what that's like. Also, it's great that Jonathan Gresham is back uh, in wrestling because uh, I would, you know, he had the dropped the Ring of Honor title to Claudio and then left AEW and then kind of said that he was never going to wrestle again. <laughs> so I'm glad that he is back doing stuff because that is one hell of a performer that any promotion would be lucky to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, Jordan Grace is fucking great, man. 
She is the juggernaut, and uh, she is a badass. So, let's see. Yeah. Look at this list. We're on number three now. I have uh, I have Masa Slamovich as my number three for all the reasons we said earlier when I was talking about most improved. Uh, she has been at the top of her game and is is right now I think the biggest woman star in Impact. And uh, I can I think that like I said I think that she would work well anywhere she goes, but is definitely a highlight for me on the Impact roster. Absolutely. She's great. She is. And I think she's going to be higher and higher on my list uh, in the next couple of years. Pretty sure she was on my list last year. It's somewhere. But um, my number two is actually Charlotte. Um, Champion for the beginning of the year goes into WrestleMania has, I think one of the greatest WrestleMania matches um, of all time with Rhea Ripley afterwards gets involved, obviously with damage control. It's like anytime she went against Bailey, they had a good match. She beat her. But if she went against the, the champion trying to get the belt back or Oscar, she was pretty much defeated. Um, elimination chambers. I think she stood out a lot, uh, within that. And, I fucking, Instead of, uh, you know, getting set up with something to happen at WrestleMania, unfortunately, she injured herself, finished the match, and will be out for a while. But very up and down year. And, I mean, it's kind of the point where it's kind of like Roman. It's like you could have you could hate on Charlotte all you want, but you know you're fucking wrong. And now people are just cheering her because she's the goddamn queen. So, um, yeah, that's why she's my number two. Yeah, uh, I mean, I love Charlotte. Like you said, kind of an up and down year for her. That's why I didn't have her on this list. Uh, but obviously, I think that she shows up on one of these other lists pretty highly. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that to look forward to. I'm still a huge Charlotte fan. I think overall, she is probably my favorite female wrestler of all time. Mm. Um, but my number two is someone that you just mentioned, which is Io Sky for all of the matches with Charlotte, uh, the crazy spot at Elimination Chamber, her title run in general. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with Damage Control, which has been a fun group. Uh, unfortunately for Charlotte, that's kind of what <laughs> knocked her out of my list, was just that it was a lot of feuds between her and Bailey, and then her constantly losing to Damage Control, which kind of just got frustrating to watch. But uh, EOS guys had one hell of a title run, great matches, complete badass, like you said, uh, phenomenal in-ring worker, and a well-deserved number two on this list. Very, very well-deserved number two. See, it's, it's a good thing, but it just sounds kind of weird. Because I was about to say, uh, my number two. Wait, I already said my number two. I'm a number one. Oh, it's, is this a situation again? I don't know if this is going to happen every time, but it's not intentional. I guess it's kind of obvious. But uh, <laughs> I think this is another one where it's, it's, it's fucking obvious who the number one is. I mean, she is not only one of the best female wrestlers. She's one of the best wrestlers in the game, right next to fucking MJF, for her age especially. She's ridiculous. She's great in the fucking ring, has amazing matches. She can be dominant. 
She can be chicken shit. She knows how to be a fucking heel. She's going to be one of the biggest baby faces fucking pretty soon at the end of this run. She's had the title, I mean, forever now on her side of the spectrum. It's like she beat Charlotte and she's been going. And that's Rhea Ripley, dude. Rhea Ripley is one of the best wrestlers today. All this stuff with Dominic, all that stuff is just, you know, icing on top of the fucking cake. But when it comes down to it, the leader of Judgment Day is not Damien. It's not Finn. Definitely not Dom Dom. It's fucking Rhea Ripley. Mommy is number one. Yeah, she is. She could easily, if you were to just throw the, if anyone had a list that didn't have her at number one, I'd question their fucking sanity as far as top female wrestlers. Because <laughs> one, she had some of the best matches as a female wrestler last year. And two, she also is the primary fucking catalyst to almost every story that Judgment Day is involved in. So, like, in a three-hour Raw, they're the biggest thing happening. Um, she's also just hugely over with the crowd. Like you said, she's going to go on a massive babyface run. She's held the title forever. She is the Roman Reigns <laughs> of Raw, essentially. As far as what she's done with that title and the group back at Judgment Day is that version on Raw. And she is, like I said, she's the catalyst for all of that. And uh, a fucking workhorse. Like every pay-per-view, every Monday Night Raw, and then sprinkle in some NXT if you're bored. She's just fucking phenomenal. And uh, like I said, I would question anyone's sanity that didn't have her at number one. I as well. Oh, there you go. Rhea Ripley. All right, let's go on. We got two more categories. Let's go on to the best male wrestler of the year, 2023. Um, God, dude, this was fucking hard, too, though, for me. I mean, there was definitely people that were going to be on there. It was hard for me to get towards the end because you have situations where it's like, some of these guys, at least for the, the, the matches they had, were ridiculous. Like, I'm going to admit this as an honorable mention, um, and then I'll ask you to say your 10, but just want to mention that Brian Danielson is not on my list. He's had amazing matches. He's scared the shit out of me. I mean, his match with Okada was fantastic. His match with Zack Sabre Jr. was fucking fantastic. Uh, all the stuff that he's done in this tournament has been fantastic. His Iron Man match with MJF was fucking fantastic. He's had great matches with a lot of guys. He's one of the best guys in the mic. It's just, he loses a lot. And I mean, um, I don't know. It was hard for me not to put him on for match quality. And it was really hard for me not to put Christian on for storytelling. Christian's great in the matches, but it's not about the matches yet. It's a lot more about what him being a fucking smug piece of shit and one of the best people at that. So, I mean, along with, I'm trying to think like Darby Allen's another guy. Um, I'm happy with my list, but Danielson for his wrestling and Christian for his character work. It was hard for me personally, Chris, not to put him on your, on, on, on my list. Yeah, Danielson is also not on my list. I think that he had some great matches, but like you said, none of them were really big storytelling moments. 
they were more just there to make whoever he was wrestling look good. Um, and that kind of knocked it down a little bit for me. Uh, he is definitely an honorable mention. I will also say Alex Shelley didn't make this list. Uh, even though he was on one, has been on one hell of a run and still on one hell of a run and had some great matches, it's just he is kind of overshadowed by some of these bigger stars that I have on my list that did have significant, either significant bigger title runs than he had or bigger storylines that they were involved in or crazy undefeated streaks um, or are just super crazy over to the point where it's impossible to ignore uh, so those are two honorable mentions that I have for sure. But when I get down to the bottom of this list and I'm looking and there's two names that I have right off the bat where I'm like, well, do I put Danielson here or do I, you know, remove this guy? That That is where this got really hard. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's also, it, you know, it, it's, it's wins though. And like with Christian, it's, matches that really did. He had one with Edge so far, even though he's been fucking great. Uh, he, he had an amazing match. I'll give it for him and Jack Perry, that uh, fucking tombstone, or the, um, the coffin match. That was a great fucking match. But it was more he was entertaining as a heel, you know? Yeah, and, and another couple of people I would throw on this honorable mentions that did make my list but are in my matches of the year list, it would be like Ilio Dragunov, Carmelo Hayes, uh, Tetsuya Naito. Those are all people that were just on the very cusp of making this uh, top 10, which we, we may have to expand next year. Uh, Naito's another one, man. He's, he was in two of my favorite fucking matches. Him in Sonata, and then him in fucking Okada. Uh, yeah, God, all right, well. We're also, like, back-to-back with him having a concussion, so that makes it even fucking crazier to think about. Uh, but he also has troubles, so it's that's a, that's a tough one. His best matches also came in August of this year uh, when he came back to the G1, so that's, you know, another reason why I have to look at look at the list and try to do the science to come up with a 10. It's all, this is, uh, you know, is another one. Sammy Zane. Yeah. But Sammy Zane was stuck in a tag team for, <laughs> so he, he, he kind of, yeah. Got and the other, and the other, and the other big match he had, he lost in Montreal against Roman at rumble yeah. or at a elimination chamber. And that was like kind of the last singles match that he had up until they dropped the tag titles and the, and he started doing the stuff he's doing now after war games. So he kind of missed a years of singles competition, even though when he walked into elimination chamber, he was the biggest single star in the entire world. That's how fucking over he was. That's why I thought when I, when I was talking about him earlier, they probably should have just pulled the trigger and put the title on him in Montreal. Cause I, I don't know that, like I said, that was lightning in a bottle. I don't know that they could have recaptured that in a million years. Yeah, probably right. Well, uh, you tell me who is your number 10 for this list, Chris. <laughs> oh man. I'm going to get some hatred for this one. Uh, I got Kenny Omega at number 10. I think that he had, what? yeah, I got him at number 10. Uh, it, to hear me out on this, it's because of all the trio shit. He was stuck in the fucking trios for half the goddamn year. So 
I had to judge him as both a trios wrestler and a wrestler. But I will say he is a part of like four, three or four of my matches of the year. So I have I have Kenny at number 10. I could see people having him way fucking higher. He had incredible matches last year. Just as an overall year, it's hard for me to look at that year and just not think about all the bullshit trio stuff. And the fact that he so, lost most of those big matches. <laughs> Even though the matches were incredible, uh, Don Callis fucked Kenny yeah. over, you know, six ways from Sunday in the majority of those matches. So I didn't say what uh, because, and this is definitely a situation where I didn't see what you had beforehand, but I didn't say what because I thought it was crazy you didn't have Kenny higher on the list. He's also my number 10. And it's for a lot of the stuff that you said. Kenny against both matches against Will Ospreay are fucking amazing. To me, the first one is better. Uh, the second one's a sequel, like literally like a movie. Like they went over certain things that were in the first match. And I watched them back to back yesterday. So I got a lot of those details. Will is able to do finally do things because Kenny's been broken down. And now Don Callis is not with him. So he's able to do some stuff that he tried to do in the first match that he couldn't. And the, the thing about the second one is the ending. That's what bothers me. But both are fantastic fucking matches. His match against MJF for the title was fucking awesome. It was nonstop. It was a great fucking match. Uh, but stuff was kind of few and far between. But if I mean, he probably, I'm just going to say he might've had, in my opinion, the greatest match this year. Um, and, uh, yeah. And might have a couple that are on my list for, for matches. Maybe, I don't know. So Kenny Omega is also my number 10. That's hilarious. They were in such the same boat with that. (laughs) Uh, my number nine is another guy who uh, has a couple matches in my match of the year, but did not have the best year or level of year I would expect him to have, which is Kazuchika Okada. Specifically, my favorite match he had this year is him versus Tetsuo Naito at uh, G1 Climax Day 19, which I'll talk about later. But uh, every match he has is incredible. This year, he was kind of doing a lot of tag <laughs> stuff with Tanahashi. For a majority of it, which kind of hurt his uh, stock on my list here. Yeah, I, I will be talking about Akata, uh, but not now. But I agree with you on a lot of the things that you said. Uh, my number nine actually is Ilya Dragunov. Um, he's been the main reason I've been watching uh, NXT more. I will say that sometimes, if I have a chance and it's recorded, I might fast forward through some things to get towards the majority of that shit. His intensity is ridiculous. He's just this different type of fucking character. I can't put my finger on it. Um, But he's great as a champion. He comes off regal. Um, I think that he's so different. He's going to be pretty interesting on the main roster. Um, I loved his match with Carmelo. It was one of my favorites. I loved his match against, um, oh, oh man, what the heck? Uh, Dominic Dijakovic. Uh, the hardcore match they had was fucking crazy, especially seeing Ilya Dragunov 
get power bombed on top of steel steps from fucking, you know, uh, Dragunov or, or from, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Dajakovic, who is a very tall gentleman, fucking gnarly as hell. He had a great match against Trick Williams. Um, they're about to have another awesome match. Uh, him and Braun Breaker had a fucking, uh, you know, beat the living hell out of each other. He just so damn physical, a lot of catches, catch can and just straight up wrestling. But for his, his size, him being able to overpower people, it's really impressive. And I mean, his moves, all of his finishers are basically running fucking corkscrew punches to the face. Like they're, it's ridiculous, but it, it just fucking works for him, I guess. I don't know. But I love Ilya Dragunov. He is a future. He's a future star in WWF. And he likes taking bumps like Darby Allen. <laughs> yeah, he does take some insane bumps. Uh, he is in. He's up, he had some great matches this year. I'll say that. And uh, definitely an honorable mention for me. I think he's been easily the biggest star uh on nxt probably him and carmelo hayes and definitely you could look at that and go that should be the future of your main roster um he's great can't say enough good things about the guy that being said my number eight is a guy who has been on a hell of a run with the ring of honor tv title up until just relinquishing it an absolute monster has had some great matches this year and i am so happy to see him back in the top 10 of this list for the first time in what seems forever and that is Samoa Joe. Joe, 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 Joe. Yeah, Chris. So, uh, oh, yes. you, 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 I dropped you. When I started saying Joe, I couldn't hear you. So, what, what, <laughs> can you repeat that, sir? No, it's that's it. He's my number eight. I think he's. Uh, I think he is probably taking that title tonight. When we get into our predictions, we'll take talk more about that. I did not put that in account of why he is my number eight. I think that you know, like his TV title run and just all basically him demolishing everyone that he faced this year, uh, being rebuilt as the monster that is Samoa Joe. Looking at that match with CM Punk. Uh, and every knowing everything that was going on for them to pull off that quality of a match is actually pretty damn incredible. Um, yeah, Joe's fucking great. And I'm looking forward to this title run that will probably start tonight. Yeah. Awesome person. Can't talk to about him right now. I'll just put it that way. But the other one you were referring to, Kazuchika Okada is my number eight. Okada... You know, he's definitely more, and and the new uh, news about how Tanahashi is, uh, you know, president, uh, took over for the past president, who apparently was not well-liked, I think we've reported that before, with some of the wrestlers, but apparently Kazuchika Okada was definitely someone who went to, um, is it Bushi Road? The the name of the, the production company itself, talked to their president and let them know that he specifically doesn't like and with okada we've been talking about it he's free agent um comes sometime this year and there's definitely interest with both AEW and wwe uh for him so tanahashi's now in charge i'm wondering chris 
I know I sh- I'm sorry to go into a news item, but this was actually pretty big broke the last couple of days. And then I'll go into the reasons why Kazuchika Okada is my number, uh, my number eight. But um, w- w- do you think Okada's going to st- uh, stay in New Japan now that the person he really didn't like is no longer with them? And by the way, one of his best friends and mentors is now in charge. Yeah, we kind of talked about this uh, on the last show, and this was before this news broke that Tanahashi was taking over. Um, I would think that means Tanahashi is stepping away slowly, which means that Okada will be the perfect ace for them if he wasn't already considered the ace, which in a lot of, like, as far as I'm concerned, he's been the ace for quite a while, but Tanahashi's always been the constant, right? So uh, I'm assuming that they're going to try to give him his much as they possibly can. I know New Japan has not been financially the best as part of the reason why Jay White wasn't able to get re-signed there. Um, But it's a little different when you're talking about Kazuchika Okada, right? So I'm assuming that he's going to stay. He has said in the past that he didn't have any plans of leaving New Japan. And that being said, you know, money talks, bullshit walks. If AW offers him like a $5 million fucking deal or something. Who knows? But uh, with Tanahashi stepping up as president, I'm assuming that Okada is just going to get paid and stay right where he is and continue to be the uh, ace of New Japan. Well, I kind of have to agree with you. And honestly, even though he is in much more of a mentor role, even though he still believe in his maybe late thirties, but you know, he's done it all in the company and he's gone against everyone and he's still having incredible matches. Uh, the reason why he's my number eight, just kind of breaking it down. Oh man. I mean, Okada and Brian Danielson at forbidden door was awesome. Fucking match. Um, him against Sonata where Sonata won the belt was a great match between the two of them. Uh, obviously the one we were talking about with him and Naito at G1 um, Climax. Uh, I mean, he's, he just, he put out matches and just what, and had the title also itself for a good chunk of it, at least a, a third to a fourth of, of the year and just put on banger after banger. Um, we're about to finally get to see him and Brian Danielson go at it again. He lost against Brian, but I, I just think that Okada just, he is a once in a lifetime performer. And I love the fact that we're about to get a second one between him and Brian, because like I said, I like the first one a lot and uh, yeah, I'm, um, I'm excited. I, God, I really wish, and maybe, maybe one day, but I really wish that we could have gotten another uh, Kenny Okada match. I'm gonna let's go with never say never on that, right? <laughs> I'm still gonna hold out hope that that will happen at some point. But even if it doesn't, he gave, they gave us three fucking three of the greatest matches of all time that you could easily go back to at any point, and they're they're fucking timeless. But yeah, Okada is like I said, a lot outside of the heading into the G1 and after the G1, it has been a lot of him teaming with Tanahashi, which is why he's a little lower on my list than he normally would be. I think this is the lowest he's ever been on my list. So that's a new thing. (laughs) Got to start the, 
They've got to start it off right. Maybe I'll send him my list and it'll piss him off and he'll go on another one of those 700-day title runs that we all like. It's great. Um, my number seven is a guy that's been on one hell of a run and had some incredible matches, uh, kind of quietly, honestly, which is Gunther. And I could see him being higher on some people's list, but I have him at number seven. Fucking incredible performer. Um, very special in the ring and very good at what he does. But uh, just some great big hauls matches between Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Uh, specifically, that three-way match at WrestleMania I thought was phenomenal. Probably one of the best matches across both nights. Um, incredible fucking performer and has in some ways made the intercontinental title important again. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely agree with you. Uh, Gunther is an amazing wrestler, amazing talent, and just someone, uh, great to have in wrestling right now. And just, you know, just in general, but, um, my number seven is someone that you just previously mentioned Samoa Joe. I think that Samoa Joe has, I'm still confused on what's going on with him helping out the devil. Is he the devil? Uh, the, the, the wording, um, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued. We're about to see a lot of that play out tonight, but Samoa Joe, other than that, I mean, he's had some fucking great matches this year too. Him and Darby Allen, I think a lot of people forgot tore it the fuck up and Darby actually made it look like, he was legitimately getting the better of Joe just because that's how Darby performs. And, um, Samoa Joe, I'm trying to think of like another big match with him and it. Oh, him and CM Punk, like you said, with the emotions being the level that they are kind of being able to calm down punk and then get that match out of him. Um, I mean, he's just a fucking, he's, he's great. And I think that there is a good chance he is going to get that title tonight. So, um, I guess that's the prediction um, that I'm giving away right now. I think Chris did the same thing, but um, yeah, Samojo is, is fucking awesome and he's always great. He's been great being a part of the world title picture because he should have been there from the fucking beginning. Anyways. Yeah. And he's also sweet tooth. So <laughs> there's that. There you go. <laughs> no, I uh, Joe Joe's had one hell of a year, for sure, and I'm looking forward to. Uh, God, did he ever win the heavyweight title in WWE? The NXT title, I know. No. I don't think he ever did. That's unfortunate. Uh, NXT twice, but no, no world title. God, that's so unfortunate because he would have had a title in Ring of Honor, AEW, Impact, TNA in wwe which would have been kind of an insane feat as far as like a heavyweight guy goes um number six another guy that had one hell of a title run specifically with the u.s title in AEW, is orange cassidy um who i actually could have put in my most improved list if i went the route you went just on quality of matches and the hell of a run he had this year talk about a guy that really stepped his game up uh, in a lot of ways, he was carrying the title picture there for a while <laughs> with some of his matches. Um, Orange Cassidy was fucking incredible last year, and that that title run is something that it, 
that will always be remembered, I think, throughout his career. So I have him pretty high on my list here at number six. All right, my number six, people are going to get mad at me, but I want to start off by saying he's one of my favorites. And I think next year he is going to be top tier, but I can't, with the people I have in front of him, I don't know if I can put, even though I love the American Nightmare, don't know if I can put Cody over these other people. Because let's think about this. Cody came back fucking looking great. He wins the goddamn Royal Rumble. He goes to WrestleMania. He fucking loses. Just saying. It happened. We were all there. We all watched it, okay? He's been great. Him and Brock Lesnar had some fucking serious, amazing matches. Uh, the third one was great. I, I watched that recently, but I remember re- enjoying them and that whole feud a lot actually and i didn't think it was but the SummerSlam match that ended it was great so he got he got his groove back he's like stella he got his fucking groove back and he's been a part of the you know being a part of his dad's thing with um survivor series and and bringing back war games and he won that him and fucking jay they won the tag titles for like you know a, a piece of paper um, but it was awesome, and I don't remember where they were, but they got wasted and came to a fucking, you know, uh, the, 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 the press thing afterwards, the press scrum, uh, and Cody tried to act like he wasn't drunk, but, I mean, I could smell Jay from the fucking television. I love Cody Rhodes. <laughs> He's on this list. He didn't make my top five. He made number six. I don't think that's a bad thing. He's probably going to be higher next year. Please do not get mad at me for having Cody not in my top five. Please. Please, sir. I have, uh, I have Cody a little higher than you, but uh, my number five is someone I think you have a little higher than me, which is Seth freaking Rollins. I think he's had one great title run. I've loved the kind of the storyline with him and Nakamura, Nakamura uh, throughout the year. He's had a bunch of great matches. Seth is just a guy that you can throw in a match with anyone, and he's pretty much going to have a good match. Uh, Very AJ Styles of him. And uh, I am really looking forward to seeing where this stuff with Punk goes, because I think that this everyone that's been waiting for a really good CM Punk match, this is your best opportunity to see that, I think. (laughs) It's going to be Seth and Punk. I I have a good feeling about that. But yes, Seth Rollins is my number five. And uh, he's had a great title run. Good year for Seth Rollins. Still hate the theme song. Glad he's kind of taking a more serious approach to his character. Outside of that, as far as in-ring goes, he's been incredible. I promise I love Cody Rhodes, guys, okay? Please don't be mad at me. No, I'm just kidding. All right, anyways, uh, let's keep on going. Number five, Z in the... Oh, man, I fucked it up. The in-ring general, Gunther. Gunther's awesome, man. Gunther has brought big feel matches to Monday Night Raw with the IC belt. Uh, His match with Chad Gable almost made my top 10. They had an outstanding match in Chad Gable's hometown of uh, wherever, Minnesota, I believe. Um, Maybe it was Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
and his fucking kids and his wife is there. And I actually believe Chad Gable was going to win the fucking thing. Gunther cut that shit off. He, he, every person, especially if there's a family member there, whether it be ricochet and torturing him right in front of, uh, you know, his fiance, uh, Samantha Irvin, um, kind of similar to what Logan Paul did, but like, uh, you know, just Gunther is a great heel and, uh, he is one of my favorite just all around wrestlers in the industry. Um, he is, he beat the record for the IC championship belt and keeps on going. Uh, he's one of, I don't know, top guys, I think for world champion in the next couple of years easily. So my number five, Z dominant Gunther. All right. Well, here comes the part where everyone gets mad at me, Dane, which is at number four, I have MJF. <laughs> I think he could be high, would have been higher on this list, but it has been tied down with kind of the Brochacho storyline a little bit. He's had some phenomenal matches, specifically that last match with Jay White, I think was absolutely incredible. Uh, unfortunately, he is super banged up, and I think this will be the end of that title run. But on the mic... Whether he's in a vignette, whether he's carrying the title, whether he's not carrying the title, whether he's a hill or a babyface, he's just fucking phenomenal. And uh, next year, I could easily see him having one hell of a run after he gets some of these injuries out of the way and probably will end up even higher on this list. But as of right now, there was some stiff competition this year, so I have MJF at number four. Well, my number four is one of my favorite in-ring performers. Um, made a huge deal because he has got a big offer, you know, going to leave New Japan um, and was probably, after MJF, I would say one of the biggest free agents. That being Will Ospreay, decided to sign with AEW, you know, to be closer to England. Um, and I guess he also has a residence, I believe, in the U.S. as well. And then when he wants to, he now, because of their partnership, can work with uh, New Japan, too. Win-win. But Will Ospreay, I mean, I know that they're not as, as, you know, as big of titles, but the motherfucker has been the what was IWGP U.S. championship, which he calls the U.K., and they redid it. And I think they're going to redo it again for something. I don't know. But that title he's had fucking forever, beating, I believe, Kenny Omega for it, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't remember exactly. Also has the Rev Pro Championship. His match against fucking Zack Sabre Jr. for that title, for the from the New Japan Rev Pro crossover they did. Fucking amazing. His match, um, you know, he had... I'm, I'm, I'm trying... Uh, both with Kenny Omega were to back-to-back just incredible matches. They did stuff that probably you should not do in wrestling. Um, you know, he, he just keeps on having these amazing bangers, and he's just on a different level. And for his age, man, he's got – now, especially since he's slowing down, but he's still going 90 miles an hour at the same time. It's crazy. Um, he's picking his spots, and – Headed into his 30s, and you know, right now in his early 30s, we're about to see him. We're we're about to see where he grows to. I think even more so than beforehand. So, Will Osprey, yeah, I 
him and Naito, that match was fucking awesome. Uh, that was an incredible match in the G1, uh, G1 semifinals um, and just shows how kind of ruthless Will Ospreay can be, man, um, if he has to. But he's still, whether people are, you know, booing the shit out of him at Forbidden Door because of Kenny or they're cheering him in large for whoever he's going against. He's just fun to watch, man. And uh, him and Jericho had a fucking amazing match too. That's another great one. Probably Jericho can say that's one of his last great matches, you know? For sure. I almost forgot that they even had that match. That was the one at Wembley, right? Yeah. It's insane to think about. Um, Also one hell of a promo leading into that match between him and Jericho. I have him a little higher on my list. Um, But at number three, I have someone you mentioned earlier, which is Cody Rhodes. Much like you, I think next year will be an even bigger year for Cody. Uh, I think he is one of the most over people in WWE. It's incredible to see the transformation of Cody Rhodes coming off of basically being a tweener in AEW. You know, having that last good match with Sammy Guevara to what he has turned into in WWE. Um, it's incredible. And uh, he had some he's had some great matches this year. There's nothing that's really stood out that's negative about Cody continues to cut his great style of promo, the style of promo that Cody does. Um, phenomenal. I think, you know, some people could even maybe have him higher. I have him here at three. All right. Well, my number three was someone you mentioned earlier, you know, with the Seth Franklin actually is middle name. Seth Franklin Rollins is my number three. Thank God we've gotten still in a sinister way. And sometimes he does it to be goofy. He'll do a laugh, but we've gotten a much more mindful and much more direct as of lately within certain feuds, you know, especially the personal one with him and Nakamura uh, and everything that's going to be going on with uh, Mr. Uh, CM Punk. So that's a, that's a good thing that he won at in Saudi Arabia, I believe, the world championship against AJ Styles. They had a fucking awesome match. Uh, I mean, what do you expect between the two of them? Uh, still like their first match more. I think I mentioned that at the time as well. He wins. He's been the world at first, like when he initially got it going into the summer, there was a complaint also by me that he wasn't defending it enough. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck this. And starts putting out match after match after match with many people um, and, you know, also being involved, like we talked about in the war games match, just his placement of where he is and how reliable he is. I mean, for that company, Seth is very important. I'll put it that way. I'm trying to think of like specifics with matches. His match with WrestleMania against Logan Paul was great. Him and AJ, like I said, for the world title at the finals was great. Um, 
I know I'm missing like a million ones. I'm blanking right now, but I'll think of all of them when Chris is talking. But I just think that Seth, he has evolved a bit. And if he gets rid of some of the stuff that I didn't like about him, even if he, he's gotten over that thing that me and you think is annoying. The thing I was doing a little while ago. So that is what it is. It's to me, it's like the what chant I can't stand, or this is awesome when you're supposed to be trying to get the baby face to get back up and cheer their name. But you're saying for both of them, like, yeah, yeah, okay. that shit pissed me off. You know, all that stuff. I don't like it. I hate the interaction. I hate you crowds way more than fucking Japan. Japan, they appreciate the goddamn wrestling. Fucking at least the fucking British people give a shit. They might do their weird chants and whatnot. And Mexico, yeah, you're going to get fucking maybe a bottle of pee thrown at you, but you're still going to be on top of things and you're not going to be interrupting the matches and making them about you. But no, you douchebags over here with your what chance? Because fucking Austin's been in the ring since what? Two goddamn WrestleManias ago? Well, you fuck off. Sorry, <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> you were just talking about how you, uh, you, you have Seth Rollins pretty high on your list here. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he made my top five this year, so that's uh, it's, let's see. We're at number two, right? For me, number two is someone that we've already talked about kind of in detail. He's had one hell of a year. He's going to show up multiple times in my match of the years. Uh, it's Will Ospreay. This is uh, his rise to stardom. He has always been good, but he has been on one hell of a roll this year. Every match he has has been incredible. It is reminiscent of. Kenny through the G1 leading up to Okada, right? That's the kind of run that he's been on. So it's funny that some of his best matches this year were with Kenny Omega because there are a lot of similarities that you can draw to the level of performer that Will Ospreay currently is, uh, which is funny because not that long ago he was talking about how he was going to have to change his style up and slow it down a little bit because he didn't know how long he was going to be able to do this, and then he had the year that he fucking had, which is insane. Um, incredible performer. I am looking forward to him full-time in AEW. I'm glad that contract's done. I know he had some other stuff to wrap up, but I think that he can easily be a huge star there. And maybe, maybe the guy they've actually been looking for as far as uh, someone can you can relate to. I think that this also gives with him coming in in the future. I think one thing that they probably will do now that Kenny is going to be gone is fill him into that storyline with Don Callis. Uh, so you're going to get some good matches with him and Takashita. Probably that would be kind of where I started with him since he's part of the Callis family, but not really part of the Callis family or whatever. Right? You got to address that sooner rather than later. But I expect Will Ospreay to have an even better year going forward um, and be more televised in the in the United States. So I think that he's going to have a whole new audience to show how great he is. Because pretty much everywhere this guy went, whether it was Rev Pro, whether it was New Japan, whether it was AEW, he had the best match in those companies. <laughs> Which is fucking crazy to think about. Um, so, so good on him and, uh, well-deserved number two. I just couldn't knock number one out of this list as he is the biggest guy on the biggest show for me, but we'll, we'll get there. 
All right. And yes, Will Ospreay definitely deserves to be high on anyone's list. He is one of the future guys. And if MJF stays with AW, which I think he will, I'd love to see him and Will Ospreay just being two guys that are at the top of their game, both young, possibly interacting in the future. That would be a lot of fun. Um, all right. My next person. And you're going to think I'm crazy, Chris. It's the big dog, Roman Reigns. Oh. Yeah. Where you? I think <laughs> I was wondering where he was going to land on your list. So Roman, love Roman. Um, things haven't been the best year, you know, for storyline as they were previous where he was dominant, pretty much shit splintered. Now, yes, he is still the champion. He still holds the belt. I get all that. I respect that. He's fucking Roman Reigns. He's the big dog, the head of the table. Um, and he had some great matches, him and Kevin Owens, him and Sammy, um, him and Cody, uh, you know, the list goes on, uh, between the people, him and Jay, uh, fun matches. And those are like probably five matches. So I can't remember six more that he had in total period for the whole entire fucking year. So I'm just saying. 11 matches total. That's including, I think, three house shows. Everything overall. Yeah, when he came back, it was a big deal. But most of the times he's come back, even if he's beaten the person, usually gets his ass dropped by whoever the fuck he's going against now. This is a much different... Like, if previous Tribal Chief, and I used to say this, reminded me of Denzel at the beginning of... of um, of uh fuck what the hell's the name of that movie uh training day or or maybe uh de niro and goodfellas or brando and 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 and, uh the godfather you know that style confidence now it's kind of more like well denzel at the end of training day um or shit's just not going the way that it was beforehand and uh, I, I still think Roman's awesome, but I think that next year we're going to be getting towards hopefully where he finally is done as the tribal chief. So he's seen the decline this year. He's had 11 fucking matches. He's had some awesome matches, especially those three, him and KO, him and Sammy, and um, him and him and Cody, and, and him and, uh, and Jay at, at, Mania, at uh, SummerSlam. Great matches. I couldn't justify putting him in at number one. Sorry. Couldn't do it. Well, I guess it's time for me to get to my number one. (laughs) Which is the big dog, Roman Reigns. Uh, Great matches, continues to be the most important storyline in WWE, continues to be, uh, have the longest title streak. I think that I read a stat the other day that he... It recently got broken, but there was like a time period where he hadn't even been pinned in like a thousand two hundred days or something, and all of that has still continued to be entertaining for me. He's the top guy on the biggest show, the highest rated show. I just couldn't put him anywhere else other than number one. 
Um, and if I had to put anyone else above him, it would have been Will Ospreay. And that would have just been simply because Will Ospreay had, like I said, a year that I haven't seen since the G1 year where Kenny wins the G1 and then goes on to take on Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. That's the level of year that Will had. But it's still Roman is ruling the world. Uh, he is He's the top guy, dude. <laughs> he's the big dog. So I had to put him in number one. And I have a good feeling on who your number one is going to be. Yeah, um, I don't, that had nothing to do with what I was going to talk about. Anyways, um, it's MJF. For me, <laughs> The the drawing power, it says everything in his in in the in the quarters. If if you look at him rating wise, he's definitely one of their biggest draws. He's homegrown, but MJF just had a really great fucking year. Now I will take into account him and Adam Cole after uh, which one was it? All in in UK after we have that and we kept on going. I got really sick of. A lot of the stuff that's been connected with Adam Cole and Best Buddies and the unfortunate injury of, of Adam Cole where he came out and, uh, you know, was uh, when he had his first match against Samoa Joe. And Adam Cole came out, jumped off the, the ramp, hurt his leg, unfortunately. A lot of that stuff. And even some of him being a baby face at times, especially the kangaroo kick, I fucking hate it. That's what I'm referring to. Um, that is what it is. But, dude, let's think about matches, okay? One of the best babyface, or one of the best him as a heel against a babyface match was a fucking Iron Man match with him, Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson at that point was, you know, trying to bring in his family into it because MJF was basically saying that his son and daughter were going to see him, you know, cripple him. And, on television and stuff like that. And being such a piece of shit heel throughout the whole entire match. Um, and then inevitably winning it by cheating. Uh, it was MJF amazing as a heel. And then you cut to him becoming a baby face. His match with Adam Cole was fantastic. Um, his match against Kenny Omega, keeping up with Kenny in that style match, uh, as a baby face, pretty fucking awesome. um, you know, he had, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like think about everything else that he, him and Samoa Joe was a great match, especially him being a baby face in peril. He just showed so many different avenues of his game. He's had the title pretty much the whole entire time. So, and he's the guy that's the biggest guy in the other company. I mean, he's the one that WWE does want. And that's obvious. We don't know what's going to happen. We do know we're going to get an excellent match tonight, but he could still be the champion. We have, or he could lose it. We don't know if he's resigning. Most likely he will. There's so much questions in the air. If you didn't have all the stupid shit set up by the friendship shit with Adam Cole, I think that his year would have been pretty much perfect. But, you know, Adam Cole had to teach MJF how to love, which I don't love, but Dude, his fucking matches were fantastic. 
And I feel like Chris turned off the phone because he hates me. Uh, no, um, no, uh, I accidentally muted myself. No, I was going to say, you know, I had him at number four. He probably would have been one or two on my list if it wasn't for all of the Brochacho stuff. It's just while it was fun, it ran its course for me very quickly. And then also this whole devil storyline, I think, has kind of went too long. And uh, I haven't been a huge fan of that. But as far as MJF as a performer on the mic, his backstage vignettes and his matches, it, it's top tier, right? So uh, he went, like I said, he probably would have been one or two on my list if it wasn't for the fact that there was a good period of time where he's tied into kind of a goofy storyline that I don't think your heavyweight champion should be part of. Completely but, agree. But that was the only, that was my only knock against MJF this year. Other than that, like you said, he had pretty much a perfect year as a singles competitor. Yep. Um, whew, this is going to be a crazy list. You know, I feel like if if I look at this, usually <laughs> Okada's mentioned, Kenny's mentioned, Gunther has for the last couple of years, Osprey has. Uh, Rollins, Reigns, MJF. Those guys are usually on these lists or have been, I would say, the last at least three years. Um, so it will be uh, interesting to see what happens next year. Unfortunately, I don't know if Kenny's going to be on the list, but we see a lot of people. Uh, Brian Danielson, I think, is going to kill himself if he's not on everyone's top list. Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I watch Kenny will come back like towards the end of the year and have one banger <laughs> just to make our list. Um, no, I'm against yeah. Brock Lesnar, where they both have detonators on each side of the ring, and if you get to it, you blow up the side of their stomach. <laughs> Is that a bad joke? Hey, my dad almost died from the fucking thing. Okay, calm down, everyone. Jesus, he's fine. All right. So, do you want to start it out, or do you want me to start it out? All right, I'll start it out. Let's do our last list. This is a big list. Top matches. And my God, man. I mean, I have one honorable mention put, but there's so many good matches. Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania was a great match. I uh, could have made this. It didn't. I, dude, I, I fought myself like women's matches. Um, you know, Becky and fucking Trish had an excellent cage match. Um, uh, Mercedes Monet and 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 Kari, uh, they had an excellent match. Like there's so many goddamn matches, and I'm sure I'm going to think of more and more as we go. And I don't mean to do that. That just shows the level of excellence across the board on all these programs, and some of the free matches. You know, I mentioned Gunther and uh, Chad Gable. We got Kenny Omega and fucking MJF on Collision. For the title, like yeah. it's it's been a crazy year for sure. Like I like those MJF matches you named were great matches, but there was ten other matches I liked better than those, and those were fucking phenomenal matches, right? And that's it's insane to say, but when you have <laughs> when I have one name in here that shows up three times, that kind of knocks down some of the other matches i don't know what we do what you can do about that that's like i said this is kind of like the kenny omega year uh that he had in g1 where my top matches were dominated kind of by one person unfortunately 
Yeah, no shit. So as I go through people, especially if I remember other amazing matches they were in, because like I said, multiple for most, um, I will mention them because everyone was having a good fucking year. Number 10 for me. Ilya Dragunov versus Carmelo Hayes, NXT No Mercy for the title. Ilya wins. Um, just a fucking fantastic match. They had a match previously before this that was excellent. Uh, Carmelo had one hell of a fucking year, especially his matches with Braun Breaker. Uh, Ilya had, you know, I went over some of the stuff, but also coincidentally against his match with Braun Breaker was another one of the high profile matches. These were two of the best that they have right now. Um, and if you include Braun in that, the three guys that are going to be stepping out, I think very soon to go on the main roster, you've already seen Carmelo, um, lately. So yeah, man, Ilya Dragunov, I still think random ass match. I don't know if it would work out. If you can't get Brock and Gunther, have the NXT champion go against the IC champion for both belts. Ilya Dragunov against Gunther at Mania. Um, yeah, that's my idea. But Ilya Dragunov and Carmelo destroyed each other. Fucking great match. It's a phenomenal match. I have it slightly higher by one position. <laughs> fucking great match. Uh my number 10 is one that you uh, insisted that I watch that I kind of missed this year was uh, in, from Impact Wrestling Bound of Glory, which is Alex Shelley versus Josh Alexander. Holy shit, what a match this was. Phenomenal match. Like we talked about earlier, Alex Shelley has been on one hell of a run. I was surprised with the outcome of this match, uh, honestly, just because I thought Josh Alexander would be picking that belt back up. Um, but that did not happen. And Alex Shelley continues to be phenomenal in impact. And I wanted some impact representation on this list. So that is my number 10. Excellent match. Might hear about it coming soon. Same thing. Anyways. All right. My next match, another random collision. I talked about this earlier. One of my favorite tab matches I've watched in a long time. And it was a straight up, just great little bit fast paced, but just tag match. Probably this and another tag team match are my two favorite tag matches of the year. But um, best two out of three falls, FTR against Jay White and Juice Robinson. I miss Juice. I think Jay White's had some really good stuff this year. Solo, especially the one that finally happened after a long meandering buildup between him and MJF. But damn, he was a great tag team. First, uh, before this, you know, with an impact with, uh, you always bring up the, um, and now he's with, God damn it, I said his Chris Bay. He's with Ace Chris Austin. Bay. But that was one hell of a fucking tag team. I, I wish that that was still a thing. Well, but they both have bounced back and had great partners. You know, we talked about Ace Austin for Chris Bay, but on this, him and Juice were great, and this is a fucking fantastic match against FTR for the titles. I loved, I like what Collision does about having like the promos at the beginning to get it hyped up, and they gave them all the time they wanted, and nothing, like they didn't fuck over the ref in it. It was aggressive. It was just a badass tag match, and by the end of it, I was like, that was a fucking amazing, like, 
fuck whatever. Like that was an amazing wrestling match to have on TV period. So I had to, you know, make sure some, uh, some tag matches were represented on this list. So I definitely put that one up there. But like I said, Jay White also had a great year with matches, especially within this last tournament. I'd like to see him and Juice pop up as a tag team again, though. Yeah, for sure. Especially if they start rebuilding the tag division, like Juice and Jay having a feud with FTR, I think would be great. Them having a feud with the Bucks would be great. Uh, that's one way you can use, you know, Jay White if you don't have a ton to do when Juice gets back. Uh, I think Juice Robinson ha- has been fucking incredible since coming to AEW, so I'm kind of sad that he's injured. Oh, yeah. He, is he someone that we can consider, you know, um, well, not not most improved, but like as, as far as a gimmick and becoming, like, he did a really good job rebuilding himself because I used to think he was annoying as shit. Yeah, he went from just being kind of like a tag specialist in New Japan to me to like someone to actually look out for. And I, I'm i going to be, you know, I've thrown out there multiple times that I think the devil is David Finlay. So I'm curious to see what happens tonight and what that means for both Jay White and Juice and the rest of the Bang Bang gang. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a great match. That's definitely I don't have any tag matches on mine. Uh, unfortunately, but that would have been, probably been the one if it did. If any tag matches made the list, it would probably have either been that or FTR versus the Bucks. Um, so, yeah, my number nine is one that we already kind of talked about a little bit, which is Elio Dragunov versus Carmelo Hayes at NXT No Mercy. Just an incredible match. It was great seeing Elia uh, finally pick up the title. And like you said, Carmelo Hayes had been on a hell of a run. I'm glad to see him finally starting to move to the main roster. And uh, I think Ilya Dragunov should be right behind him. Um, and I love the idea of him versus Gunther, by the way. I think that would be that would be great. It'd be a good way to give him a rub if he's the one that finally takes the IC title off. I'm kind of wondering if they're going to do that. Something at Royal Rumble like that with either Ilya or Braun Breaker as far as setting up the next thing for Gunther at, at Mania. But I guess time will tell on that one. So, yeah, number nine, Ilya Dragunov versus Carmelo Hayes. All right. All right, my number eight would be, you already mentioned it, Alex Shelley, Josh Alexander for the world title, Impact wrestling bound for glory alex has had a great fucking year um just taking on every fucking opponent thrown at him and i really thought bound for glory josh is kind of like the hero champion that everyone likes um there was there was a lot of elements of bret hart against Shawn michaels and then also even like a kurt angle Shawn michaels because alex Especially him, a little bit older in his career, very much reminds me of Shawn Michaels around that same time. Um, you know, he's older, wiser, but can still fucking wrestle in the ring, and he's kind of a smartass still, too. So you have to fucking take that. And him and Josh, I thought, build this up great. I thought Josh was going to win back the title, coming back from injury. And Alex still has the belt, and he's had, like, a couple more matches since then. So this was an awesome match, though. Both of these guys, top-notch. Um, I think Alex, 
I don't know. Maybe we'll see him go some other places, but I, I, I really feel like him and Saban are at home in impact. Josh is someone that I'd like to see, and he's going to be a free agent this year. Maybe try something different or try on himself um, or stay at impact because he's still a great member of that uh, roster as well. But fucking great yeah. match. Yeah, I mean, I know AEW's wanted Josh Alexander for a long time. I mean, I think Brandy Rhodes even talked about it like live during a promo at one point when Cody was still in AEW. Um, but they, that being said, you know, uh, with Alex Shelley, he's had contract offers from WWE in the past, uh, especially when Kushida was still in WWE NXT, that he turned down just because he doesn't want to work that schedule. So I think that's, you know, a big thing with Alex Shelley. He is kind of, I think he is just going to submit his legacy at Impact and let that be it because it seems like he's just, you know, he he likes the recording schedule of Impact. I can't blame him there. Uh, if he, if like Motor City Machine Guns went to AEW, that's a hell of a lot more traveling because they do everything live still for Dynamite. So, um, yeah, but Josh Alexander, I could for sure see see going somewhere else if given the opportunity. Um, and hopefully when he goes there, they'll get his work visa shit worked out. <laughs> unlike impact. <laughs> God. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> my number eight is the only Brian Danielson match that I have on my list. He had a ton of good ones. This is the one that stuck out in my mind the most, which is Brian Danielson versus Ricky Stark strap match. Uh, with the caveat of Ricky, the dragon steamboat being there. I thought this was one hell of a match. And elevated Ricky, even though Ricky lost, I think it elevated him a lot and was just just great work by Brian Danielson all around in this match. And they, there's nothing I could pick out that I didn't like. Even the involvement of Big Bill kind of made sense because you had Ricky Dragon at ringside. Um, you know, it was no disqualification because of it being strap match, but the, they beat the ever-loving shit out of each other, and this was my favorite Brian Danielson match of the, the year, and the only time he shows up on my list. So at number eight, got Brian Danielson versus Ricky Starks. Yeah, you know, uh, that was an incredible match. I forgot about that match in general. I mean, they had two great matches, but that second one, just the, the visual of him pulling back on that strap, fucking literally choking out Ricky Starks and Ricky Starks, just his face and him. Yeah. Great fucking match. Um, yeah. Danielson's had a lot of good ones. We put over a good amount from this year. That was one of the ones he actually won though. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing about that is that they didn't give us good follow-up with Ricky Starks after that, because that the ending of that match almost had the feel of like Brett versus Sean specifically with Ricky refusing to tap. Uh, but the follow-up was like, Hey, let's throw him at a tag team with big bill. So <laughs> take that for what it is. That's more on booking, not on, not on Ricky or Brian. Well, Sean needs his diesel, you know, I guess, I don't know. Um, yeah, where, where are we right now? Oh, I'm on seven, right? You already said it. Uh, yeah. Did I accidentally go out of order? My bad. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. What did you say for your number eight? Yeah, no, that was my number eight. So yeah, we're, we're, we're good. Okay. So I'm on number seven. All right. 
Brian Danielson versus Kazushi Okada. Forbidden Door. I thought these guys had a tremendous match. Um, the one thing that definitely holds it back, though, is Brian Danielson messing up his arm towards the end of it and basically fighting Okada with one arm, uh, including getting him into a chokehold and I believe finishing the match with one arm. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're going to be doing uh, next weekend uh, as far as Wrestle Kingdom with their, their second match. Because while Brian's his eyes fucked up now, uh, which has been messed up for a while uh, from something that happened on Andrade a long time ago and just progressively gotten worse. So maybe Brian Danielson's like maybe his foot will fall off and then we'll have to see what he can do against Okada. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't want any of that to happen. But him and Okada teared it up at Forbidden Door. I think that even though you have two of the greatest wrestlers, uh, you know, that had Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay sequel. So that was, I think the bigger looked at match, but to me, this was an excellent match. And I mean, I've, I've been hoping these guys would get together and have a match for a long time, hoping for better stuff because I don't think, like I said, unless what happens, like I was joking happens uh, and his foot just, ah, I don't have a foot. Like he ends up just being like the, the, the knight, the black knight. It's like, it's just a flesh wound. And he wants to fight Okada. Could you see that? Chris? <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully that is not the case. I hope he comes in healthy and leaves healthy and we get one hell of a match. Because I know, you know for a fact that Okada was holding back. Because if, he, if he's going to have the rematch anyways, he's going to give you the better match in Japan. So I'm assuming <laughs> that this will be better than the first one. Um. I didn't forget about this match, but it is it was slightly lower, like you said, because of the injury, and it was also overshadowed by a couple of other matches on that same card. Um, the Kenny Will match being one of them, and then also the main event uh, with, God, who did MJF go against in that main event? I'm trying to remember now. But that was also a fucking great match. Well, he, he, he won against uh, Tanahashi at the beginning of the pay-per-view. That's I think they had the first match. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, it was a good match. It's just, I, I think I was a little let down. And I think, you know, part of that's Brian got banged up. So hopefully this will redeem it for me. But it, it was a, it was a, it was a very good Brian Danielson match. Yeah. What do I have here for number seven? Number seven, I have Tetsuyo Naito versus Okada, New Japan. G1 Climax, Day 19. Uh, Naito came back and was fucking hell-bent on having absolute bangers throughout the G1. This is one of those. <laughs> and it was one hell of a match. Uh, strangely enough, this is the only Okada match that made my list this year. But uh, fucking phenomenal. Everything about it. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It is just uh, like 30, 40 minutes of pure perfection in wrestling. Great storytelling. And uh, these guys always have good matches. This might be one of the best matches they ever had. So just go watch it. <laughs> that's, a, that's the best way to throw it out there. Go watch all of day 18 and day 19, I will say, because they were both fucking great. 
Yeah, no kidding. All right. Um, let's see. The next match I have. Uh, all right, all right, all right, one, six. Yes, uh, all right. Uh, the Usos versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at Mania. Big part of the storyline that's going on. Obviously, Cody had the other half with Roman that didn't work out so well. Uh, these guys got to main event with a tag team match. Pretty huge. Audience was fucking into it. And after the match that we'll talk about a little bit later that they had right before this, it's kind of shocking they were able to get them backing up. And they definitely did. Uh, they traveled out in the audience. Kevin Owens, like you mentioned beforehand, had the uh, PG uh, version of Eddie Kingston coming out with a bunch of gasoline. Uh, he came out with a hockey jersey randomly on him um, and proceeded to whoop some ass. I mean, it just was a nonstop match. And then, like I said, the ending with Sammy just taking Jimmy and fucking, it seemed like he gave him like 15. He gave him two Haluva kicks, stunner over to Jimmy, and Jay got pinned one, two, three. And we had finally Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn having, being a part of a main event individually, winning the tag team titles, which as a past tag team, they had never done. Um, it was just a big magical moment for the two of them and, uh, didn't last too long, but it was still a fun, fun thing. I think they had that until SummerSlam, I believe is when they lost in the judgment day, but, um, good stuff. And ever since then, the Usos have not been a tag team because one of them is evil and the other one's good. If they read some of the stuff that happens in star Wars in the comics, you, you, you know what to do with the, the evil one. Just Jimmy's got to be dealt with. Sorry. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, that, that both of those matches they had with the Usos was was phenomenal. That was a great moment. Um, didn't make my list, though, unfortunately. But very fun WrestleMania match. It's crazy to think that Kevin Owens has main evented WrestleMania twice. Once in a tag match, and then once again Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> uh, it seems like it would be more than that. That's a pretty good point. But that's uh yeah, that's that I was I just saw someone post that recently and then there were people arguing that he didn't actually main event because it was on the first night and not the second night. And I was like, what the fuck are you that's why you don't read comments, dude. <laughs> Basically. So anyway, hairs. <laughs> um, look, if you're if you're if you're in the last match on either day of WrestleMania, you main evented WrestleMania. You can't help that it's a two day show. That's ridiculous. Um yeah, so moving back to my list here, number six, I have Mercedes Monet versus Carrie. I think that match is absolutely incredible from Battle in the Valley. Uh, Mercedes goes on to win the title from Carrie and unfortunately gets injured in a match with Willow. Um, but just a phenomenal fucking women's match and uh, one that if you haven't seen, it's worth going to watch. There was a lot of women's matches that could have made this list. Uh, I have one more kind of towards the top as well as I think that's as well as you, uh, I think you probably do as well, but uh, yeah, phenomenal match. It made me excited for Mercedes Monet. It sucks that she basically broke her ankle shortly after that, because um, I was really looking forward to the little bit of a stardom run that she was going to have there with, you know, with Julia being there and Tam Nakano and Carrie still being there. That would have been fun. Um, also, whatever she was going to do with AEW kind of got put on the sideline. So hopefully 
now that she's back out here doing contact contract negotiations, we'll get some more Mercedes Monet. But I think that is one of the best matches I've ever seen her in, maybe outside of her versus Charlotte three. Uh, but yeah, one hell of a match, definitely worth a watch. Yeah, God, uh, I wish I was better about the women's run. There were so many good ones, but there's so many fucking good matches. I mean, Impact, we've talked about Jordan Grace and Deanna Perrazzo. Um, You know, if I, I also said Trinity, uh, the former Naomi going against Mickey James, that was a great fucking match. And, you know, you mentioned Kari Sane and, and uh, Mercedes Monet or her versus Nakano. Uh, uh, you know, it just. Uh, there were a lot of great matches I watched. It was just very hard to crunch them into this whole entire thing. So I do apologize about that, everyone out there. But, uh, you know, shit happens. Um, that's all I got. That's all I got. Yeah. If anyone's mad, they can blame it on the fact that day 18 and day 19 of the G1 were great. And then also Will Ospreay shouldn't have had such the year he has had. <laughs> so blame it on Will Ospreay, not on us. Exactly. All right. Five was definitely your type of just fucking brawl, man. Beating the shit out of each other. Three guys who, you know, you'd want to see just way back in the day. If you lived to, if you lived in England or, or Europe, just put these guys in a fucking cage and let them destroy each other. You had Gunther, the IC champion. You had Drew McIntyre, who had a lot to prove. Um, which is something that has kind of turned his character as of recently, but this is the progression of it. And then you have Sheamus, the veteran, who has never won the IC belt. And if he wins it, he will finally become a Grand Slam champion within the WWE. Huge accomplishment. All of these guys, they want to win. Gunther was on his way to beating the record. He didn't want to fucking lose that. So there was a chance if there was two guys, even though they, I believe this is the second time they did this. They did this also somewhere else, or at least a variation of this. Maybe it was just Drew and, um, and Gunther, uh, but they had wrestled each other constantly. And this was a huge three-way, one of the best three-ways I've ever watched. Just three guys beating the living fucking piss out of each other. Like, that's all I have to say. It was a lot of just hits. You know, it was like, I don't know if if you if you if you took Bruce Brody and Stan Hansen and, and Doctor Death Steve Williams just let them beat the shit out of each other for fucking forty five minutes for a belt, uh, but this is more the uh, the European style of that. But awesome fucking match at WrestleMania. Gunther wins and he gets to beat two of the best. And Drew has been rebuilding himself and as of recently has been I think doing r- way better. Uh, at getting himself to another level. And Sheamus had this match shortly afterwards, had an, an awesome match against Edge that was supposed to be Edge's retirement match, his last match in WWE, at least. And since then, he's been taking it easy for a little while uh, due to his spinal stenosis. But this was after all these guys, you know, Chris, had had singles matches and beat the shit out of each other all year. We got all three of them, and they did the same thing. They beat the shit out of each other for the Intercontinental title. 
Yeah, there was just great storytelling of the match itself. I will put over the commentary team on that match. The the way they were they talked about how much this should mean for Sheamus. I found myself really wanting Sheamus to win that match. Uh, like I'm like, oh my god, this guy's out here wrestling with spinal stenosis against these two fucking monsters. Like, uh, it was a great, great match, especially like from a storytelling standpoint. And like you said, one of the best three way matches, uh, or um, you know tornado three-way match that i've ever seen um i'll say outside of ecw ecw had some pretty damn good ones but uh very well done and that's also my number five i think we're we're locked into the same on that one phenomenal match my second favorite match of wrestlemania um and i think they did a great way of ending that feud the way that match ended um and everyone kind of moving along and uh Hopefully we get to see some more Sheamus. I would like to see him eventually win that IC title. It's the last feather kind of he needs to put in his cap. Um, but he's given us some great matches over the years. And uh, throughout the year, him versus Drew, him versus Gunther separately, uh, leading up to this, like you said, leading up to this triple threat match or, yeah, triple threat match at WrestleMania. Just phenomenal. Um, good shit. That, that was my number five. Good stuff, man. Um, I'm not breeding your brain, by the way. I promise. <laughs> okay. I saw something, and it actually hurt my brain, so I won't do it anymore. Anyways, all right, we have our number fours. You know, there was a drinking game they used to play with cards and four. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Um, let's move on. Okay, so AEW Revolution. Uh, the Iron Man match, Brian Danielson versus MJF. MJF really very similar to the match he had with Kenny, just showed him at a different level. Where Kenny was, I can keep up with one of the best athletic, you know, high flyers or whatever, or the faster dude. Brian was, can he work a whole entire hour with fucking Brian Danielson? And he did. It, like I said, MJF this last year, Brian had a lot of great matches. He did. He went against Okada. Zack Sabre Jr. was a fucking awesome match. Actually, Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. was an awesome match. Anyway, sorry. Uh, getting distracted. He lost a good majority of them. MJF obviously won all of his. His match against Jay White, another one that was fucking incredible, where his crazy ass decided to do an elbow drop to the outside. And then afterwards did a diamond cutter uh, over, over the fucking ring, and brought Jay White to the floor. So just crazy stuff. But this one, it was MJF is a fucking piece of shit heel. He had times where he had, you know, Brian Danielson bleeding and was making him look in the camera and say hi to Birdie, uh, his daughter, uh, you know, just being so fucking devious. And Brian really worked from beneath as a babyface, which I think he's better as an aggressive babyface, but we had time to change things up within an hour and then towards the end, all the shenanigans um, that MJF pulled and, you know, Brian Danielson, the, the wonderful, great baby face just couldn't beat the devious seal. It was a great Iron Man match. It's not my favorite, which I think my favorite probably has to be Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle on SmackDown. That was an amazing uh, one that sat on, Iron Man matches, but it was a lot of fun, had two of the best, and was another 
thing for MJF to put a feather in his cap um, as being a future star. Phenomenal match for sure. Um, Gosh, let's see here. I'm rethinking my top four <laughs> while we're doing this. Um, all right, I'm going to stick with it. Uh, my number four is Tetsuya Naito versus Will Ospreay, New Japan. G1 Climax, Day 18. Absolutely brutal match. Um, like, I, like I said, Will... Will uh, Naito gets knocks a loopy in this match and works half of it concussed, and you wouldn't be able to tell. Uh, it, it's just phenomenal what they were able to accomplish in that match, um, which obviously Naito worked one day or two days later against Okada, which I had already talked about earlier. Continuation of Will Ospreay's wonderful year. Um, and it was great to see Naito back at the level he was wrestling at throughout the G1 tournament. So my number four, Tetsuo Naito versus Will Ospreay. Excellent match, man. And it was kind of, to me, that match and the one I ended up picking, the finals with Okada and Naito. I remember telling you, I liked all the fucking craziness. And I didn't even know that Naito got not loopy. I I thought he was doing a good job selling. Uh, of me watching it this past time, um, him and, and Will Ospreay killed it. But it was a really personal, even slowed down match with him and Okada for the finals. Okada was sick of getting that far with this motherfucker that kind of always ends up where I'm at a lot of times with Tetsuya Naito. Um, I thought I kind of got that that feel from it. And what's fucked up is I kind of saw him doing this. Maybe it was real, obviously, from a concussion, but kind of smiling and the camera's just trapped on on Naito and after he just got annihilated. He started doing that more to fuck with Okada and just, I don't know, I, I, I thought it was, the outcome was really fucking impressive. You didn't see it coming, and I thought it was shocking. I just thought it was a little more old school, even though I loved the match itself with him and Will Ospreay in the semifinals. The fact that he did get fucking knocked loopy, not the best thing to reflect on as well, and... I mean, it was fucking, it was violent at certain parts in that, in that match. They, they, they have always, you put Kota Ibushi in with the three of them. They're like the Trinity of kick me in the fucking head, in the back of the head. Like, uh, I mean, we've just learned that from watching Naito and these guys from over the years. They, I don't know. They get in the ring with Okada though. And he's like, yeah, we're not doing any of that shit. <laughs> so uh, the Okada one was definitely the better storytelling. Uh, match, but the the Naito, just seeing Naito move the way he did in the match against Will Ospreay, uh, considering his age and how long he's been at this and coming off of an injury was just incredible to me. It's a great match. Both of those, both of those matches are, like I said earlier, worth a watch for anyone listening to this that may not have seen them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, uh, so. Uh, did you t- did you say your uh, number three? I did not. That was my number four, Tetsuya Naito versus Will Ospreay. Okay, and then mine was uh, Naito versus Okada. I do not have Will Ospreay on there, but that's another match where I was like, God damn it, I, I didn't know what to bump, man. 
That was a great match, too. A lot of fucking good matches this year, like I keep on saying. Uh, my number three was was uh, was my number two for the longest time, which was Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. Me and you have gushed over this match multiple times. It might be the best women's match I've ever seen. Honestly, it was that damn good on that big of a stage. It could have easily been the main event of WrestleMania. I think both women walked away from that match looking phenomenal, better than they did walking in. And it cemented, uh, to me, Rhea Ripley, if she wasn't already a superstar and, and a future Hall of Famer after that match with Charlotte, it was that fucking good. Um, just phenomenal fucking women's wrestling match. Yep, and that's why it's uh, my number two. Uh, Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, everything that you said, WrestleMania. Best match, I'll say it, best match at WrestleMania. People can come at me. That's fine. Uh, But they left it all in the fucking ring. They both did things that, you know, the fuck, setting up for that suplex, but having enough within, within you know, this could have gone New Japan, where... They, even though they mean to do this, which is fucking crazy enough, where they suplex them and kind of hope that they get nailed on their shoulders somehow on the way down. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You, you know, Rhea did it, so Charlotte completely rotated, but still she lands right on her fucking face. Shortly after that, she gets another move from Rhea, falls right down on her... I think, I think it was another suplex, but this is on the, uh, you know, just... Charlotte, she did multiple backflips, pretty much nailed all of them. Rhea's definitely her best base when it comes to that move to the outside and whatnot. Uh, They just, they literally just beat the shit out of each other. You know, Rhea towards the end was cut right above the eyebrow, hard way. Charlotte's mouth was busted open. Her lip was cut open. They, uh, you know, I, I agree with Charlotte's dad, Rick, that was the best match at WrestleMania. I I mean, there was a lot of good matches. Don't get me wrong. It's not that WrestleMania sucked. Last year was a good year, or this year, I should say. Uh, but that match just stuck out. It was a WrestleMania fucking match. I don't know anything besides maybe the main event. And if you want to get, like, misty-eyed about the story with Cody, meant that much compared to that match looking at it later. Yeah. And I, I mean, I said it at the time that this would be a strong contender for match of the year. And, uh, at that time, the only thing I had positioned above it is my number one on the list, which I'll get to later. Uh, but this was one hell of a fucking match, man. I think it was the best women's match I've seen at WrestleMania. Um, and, and I'll have to go back and watch some more of the WrestleManias previously. There, there have been some great women's match, but like it, it just gave me everything that I would want from that match, and they like they left it all in the fucking ring, and uh, I was really worried for that tech tech match afterwards, honestly, just because, uh, just because of how fucking incredible that match was. So uh, to, to me, this was the best match at that WrestleMania, and there was a lot of good matches. Like what you had two on your list already from WrestleMania. I had one on my list already for WrestleMania, and I, I still think that this match was. It was just phenomenal Um, in general, regardless of gender, anything else. It was a great fucking match with good storytelling. Rhea finally getting the redemption over Charlotte, Charlotte beating her 
uh, a couple years back. Um, everything about it was phenomenal. Um, I'll give you my number two. This is going to be pretty obvious to kind of talk. We've talked about it a lot uh, throughout this show, which is Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay at Forbidden Door. Did not have this ranked higher than the uh, Wrestle Kingdom match. That kind of gives away my number one, but just the be- easily the best thing on Forbidden Door. Those two guys absolutely killed it. It was a return to form for Kenny Omega in a lot of ways, who had some incredible matches throughout the year uh, as well with Takashita. But Will Ospreay was on a different fucking level this year. And uh, yeah, my number two, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay, Forbidden Door. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about it, and I ended up watching both these matches back to back, which made it very interesting because obviously I did not do that before with Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. So I watched a Wrestle Kingdom, and then I watched a Forbidden Door match, and I didn't put the Forbidden Door match on my list. Because, to me, watching it back-to-back, it was a lot of, basically, we were flipped, you know, uh, Kenny was the heel, but Don Callis represented him, so he was still at a high at Wrestle Kingdom, going against Will Ospreay, who is, you know, not a heel, not a baby face, but obviously Kenny's represented by Don. They have a great match. The next one, everything had to do with the things that Will could not do to Kenny, and he kind of became the babyface within that story at Forbidden Door in a lot of ways. Um, the heel stuff, or any of the things that, like on the outside on the apron. In the first one, he tries to do that run up, uh, you know, while grabbing the head as a cutter and flipping over. And Kenny, the last time, grabbed the ropes. Will fucking eat shit. He gets it this time. There was a lot of moments like that. And a lot of the bullshit with Don Callis getting thrown the fuck out and then coming in again and basically kind of essentially helping uh, Will win. Um, I don't know. I, I fucking love the one at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm not saying the one at Forbidden Door is not a good match. I just, to me, that was the better out of it. And I could not take other stuff out to put in. Um, it was too much for me, man. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I kind of like this kind of happened previously when we had Kitty Omega versus Okada twice in one year. And it's do you put both matches in or do you just put your favorite of the two matches in? Um, I went the route of putting both matches in. Um, whereas I think you went the route of I'm just going to pick the one I liked the best out of those two, which I think is a good way to do that. But the Wrestle Kingdom match, man. What Kenny did at his age, especially now, even more so, we know with the injuries he had and some of the bumps he fucking took. Talk about that suplex bump. Will Ospreay did it in that fucking match. Like those guys at the table, you know, and, and the part where Osprey gets his fucking head smashed through the announce thing and then they reversed it and had Will doing it to Kenny at Forbidden Door, like, there was a lot of aggression. They told a great story. So if this is compared to a movie and a sequel, good fucking movies and a sequel, I just think the first one still is a little bit better than the second one. 
Yeah, and so did I, because that's actually my number one on the list. <laughs> so great fucking match. Yeah, we're in the. I think we're in the same boat. It, it sounds like you you picked one of the two and and you didn't put both on your list. I put both on my list. They were my two favorite matches of the year, um, outside of you know Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. Uh, they came in at number three. So my number one is Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom. The number two was Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay at, at Forbidden Door. I do think the Wrestle Kingdom match is a little better, but it's not like miles better. Uh, and both of those matches are are fucking phenomenal and, and well worth a watch. Yeah, incredible wrestling. Kenny had a pretty goddamn amazing year. Um, Will had one of the best wrestling years and looking forward to seeing what he is going to be doing along with everyone that made this list or maybe he had a great match that we just didn't realize uh, because there was a lot of great matches. Everyone's doing good in the wrestling industry. So good job. You will get a sticker in the mail. It's a smiley face. It represents Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You can wear it if you'd like. If not, you know, then fuck off. I don't know what to tell you. So your number one, just to clarify, was Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom? Yep. It was an uh, excellent match. Um, yeah, I'm still... Some of the stuff that happened in that match, I was like, oh my god, why? But And it, it was also crazy because, I mean, like you said, Kenny Omega coming back from injury, we didn't know what that was going to look like. I mean, just... God, everyone out there, stop listening to the podcast and go watch that and then come back because, fuck, it was so good. All right. All right. Uh, do you want to go over um, this whole thing? Uh, this pay-per-view tonight? The one that pretty much ends everything this year? Yeah, I guess uh, this is a new pay-per-view for AEW, right? Did they do this last year? I can't remember. No, they were like, we're not doing what WWE does. We're only doing four. A couple of years later, fuck it. We're going to do one every month. <laughs> they did, uh, what, 10 this year? Nine or 10? They're going to be doing 12. Like, that's going to be inevitable. And I don't know if that's going to be better or worse for them. Because I think if they move to that, they need to lower the price of how much their pay-per-views cost. Because that shit is going to I'm sure... Better. At sixty bucks a pop. Man, I don't want to spend sixty motherfucking dollars on this. And then I always get a fucking goddamn streaming thing screwed up and I'm signed out and then I'm like signed on three different devices and you know what? The whole thing can kiss my ass. Get a goddamn streaming platform. Ugh. <laughs> you have I- a ring of honor. Just turn it into one big thing with everything and all the pay per views. I'll pay $15 if I have to. Honestly, I think that's their biggest source of revenue is the pay-per-views. But you're going to dry your market up if you're doing 12 a year at 60 bucks. So I think they need to come up with a more reasonable price. And that's not including the Ring of Honor pay-per-views that they probably will do and continue to do if they're going to keep that around. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Um... Let's talk about the pre-show. So we got a 20-man battle royal for the future AEW TNT championship match. So whoever wins this thing uh, will be going against Mr. Chris Chin. Uh, 
I don't know why I separate it like Christian, uh, the, the champion currently. Do I have any people in the match listed? No, I do not. So that will be the first thing that they start off with. 20-man battle royal that could have some fun people like Cheeseburger randomly in it. Uh, for future AEW TNT championship match, Chris, are you excited? Yeah, do you think Edge is going to be in this? He's already going against Christian tonight. So it's for a future match against who we don't know is going to be the champion. Uh, sure, yeah, that's a good point. No DQ match between the two of them. So Jack Jack Perry returns in this? I mean, one could only hope. And he saves Edge. And he's like, I like legends. I love wrestling, and I've talked to Arn Anderson. And then he just <laughs> leaves crying. Some shit. No, I'm, I'm just trying to think, because usually when they do a return, it's during one of these battle royals, and we haven't heard much about Jungle Jack Perry, so... Spot for him, he has... Uh, I mean, he was heel, kind of headed out. Does he just rejoin Christian and fuck over... I don't know. I'm just, I don't have a, a prediction for this, because it's impossible to make a prediction. All right. In a 20-man... So, do you remember... <laughs> Who the fuck is going to be in it? <laughs> so do you remember like 96 Shawn Michaels where now looking back, you can tell that's when he started partying a little bit before he got the belt, but he kind of like had his face. It wasn't that he had a five o'clock shadow. He just kind of let his face grow out. And, you know, I think that it, all I'm saying is if, if jungle boy comes out looking exactly like that with chaps and shit, I'll pop. I will, uh, I will laugh my ass off. He should, his gimmick should be drunk douchebag, 1996, 1997, Shawn Michaels. He should do that and then lose his smile. Like after he wins the title, <laughs> just go full in on it. You know, just, I don't know. We could figure it out. Instead of Lowe's, uh, Jose Lothario, he can bring his dad back as like a hologram as his, uh, manager. Is that too much? Okay, shut <laughs> up. I mean, my thought, my my gut feeling, without knowing who's going to be in this thing, is that Luchasaurus wins it, and they set up a few, they continue down ah. Luchasaurus versus Christian. Um, but I I could be wrong. That that relies on Christian retaining. That's the other part that makes it kind of hard to predict what they're going to do because then it's like, well, if Edge is going to win. Do you just have like Buddy Wayne <laughs> win this battle royal? <laughs> like, because it's going to have to be tied to that storyline because that's the stit. Well, just interesting stuff. I, I guess we'll have to find out once we actually know who the fuck the participants are within this match. But the next match, this should be fun, as not so much a grudge match, but like uh, friends want to see who could get the better of each other while beating the fuck out of each other type of match. We got Chris Statlander and Willow Nightingale. I mean, Chris Statlander recently lost the title, but she's still Chris Statlander. I actually, you know what? Fuck it. I think Willow's going to get an upset win and beat Chris Statlander. I like that. I don't know that they're going to go that route. Um, Eh, fuck it. I'm going to say the same thing. Willow gets the win here. Chris Statlander loses her mind, turns heel or something. I don't know. 
let's, let's go something with something different. I mean, because like whoever wins this in theory, this is just a match to set up whoever's going to be next up for Julia Hart, right? Uh, yes. So I think Willow is a good person to put in that spot. I'd be okay with that. Such so much fun when she comes out. All right, next match. So what I would do with this, this is Huck and Willow Yuta FTW rules match for the FTW championship. You know, Wheeler, since he's been hanging out with those crazy people, especially John Moxley, even though he's a technical guy, he's got that edge. So what I think should happen is that Hook beats Wheeler Yuta um, for this and, and retains his FTW belt. And then eventually on like a Ring of Honor, their next pay-per-view goes against Wheeler Yuta for the pure championship within that style. And Wheeler thinks he's got a head on him. But this is also Hook, who's a great fucking judo-based wrestler, and he beats him there, too, and gets both titles. So this is a long storyline, but this is the beginning of it, Chris. Yeah, I like I like everything you said there. I have Hook winning this. I feel like, you know, they've had Hook actually start talking now, so it seems like they're ready to give him that kind of push. Um, so, yeah, I, I like everything you said there. I'll go with that same prediction, Hook wins sets up a rematch or whatever at the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view. All right, so the first listed match, not necessarily in order for tonight, Ricky Starks, Big Bill. This was announced uh, last night, by the way. Ricky Starks, Big Bill, and part of the Don Callis family, Kanoshke Takeshka and Powerhouse Hobbs, with Don Callis going against Les Sex Gods, who got back together... I mean, because Kenny got hurt, basically. But uh, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara with Sting and Darby Allen. This is going to be a fun match. Um, because, I mean, I would say usually, like, the heels probably could use a win over the baby faces. But Starks and Big Bill don't lose their tag titles. They lose. And it's not that big of a deal because Sting, this is like his last tour. I don't, I, he'll probably get the win. He'll probably fucking pin Powerhouse Hobbs with Big Bill on top of him. Because Sting, you know? Good guys. Good guys are going to win, Chris. Unless, unless they're setting up for like Ricky Starks versus Sting to be Sting's last match or something. But. Yeah, most of these tag matches Sting's, Sting has been involved in, it's kind of hard to pick against him because he just they just win. So <laughs> I'm going to go with the same prediction as you, but uh, I don't know that that's great necessarily for Powerhouse Hobbs, Big Bill, and Ricky Starks. It's kind of... Why don't they just do this with the Hardys or something? Like a tag team they're not trying to actively push and build, as opposed... Because now they're just going to have a loss. That's just, it's a little weird. It should be a fine match. I, I, it's not going to be anything to write home about, but. All right. So, so we, we got Sting, you know, everyone's knocked down and we got Sting and he finally gets the Scorpion death drop. Shit. He pulls up uh, the person. Uh, let's say it's, it's Takeshka and he does a second one and he's about to pin him and Chris Jericho is right there and goes, Sting, Sting, tag me in. And Sting goes, no, I, I got it. No, 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 just tag me in. And that's what happens. And then Chris Jericho wins with the Judas effect. 
All right, I'll, I'll stop being a smartass. I'm sorry. Steve, Steve uh, doesn't, doesn't give a shit. He's <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> uh, that's funny. You can have it, Chris. Oh, this um, is a weird match altogether because, like, I... <laughs> I, well, I just, it's supposed to be the Golden Showers versus Ricky and, uh, or whatever the fuck, the Golden Fleece. Yeah. Uh, Golden Jets. Jets. Which is, uh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm still not, like, even as a, as a hockey fan, the Golden Jet himself has played for Chicago. We've already been through this. There's the team, the Winnipeg Jets, <laughs> and there's the Golden Jet, who is Bobby Hull. For those looking at a great autobiography to read about a crazy guy, uh, the devil and me, the Bobby Hull story is, is worth a read. That's what about only... Bobby Orr? What about Bobby Orr? <laughs> um, I don't know if I've ever read a good Bobby Orr book. He played for Boston, though, so that's not a it's not relevant to the Winnipeg Jets or the Golden Jet <laughs> or the Golden Streaks and Golden Showers. All I right, kind of um, I, I assumed that they did that to take a shot at CM Punk since the Golden Jet is like one of the most legendary Chicago Blackhawks players of all time. Um, but what do I know? So basically Jericho was like, yeah, and this is what we're going to do. And Kenny was like, I mean, do we have to? Can we just not do that? I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fuck up and call them the Winnipeg Jets. Watch. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He did. So- all right so next match we're talking about it julia hart's gonna beat abaddon but she's gonna do really weird things to her throughout the match i don't mean it in a certain way like some of you fucking pervs are taking that they're just gonna she's a monster so she's gonna like i don't know suck her blood or some shit like that after seeing what i saw with hangman and fucking swerve i can believe anything could happen but um there you go is the title on the line? going to win. Uh, this, the TBS title is on the line with Miss Abaddon, who's now dressing up as Beetlejuice against the evil Julia Hart, who probably has sky blue whenever she needs her. Hmm, sounds like a little bit of gimmick infringement. No pokes didn't find out. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pick uh, Julia Hart to win this. All right. Uh, I'm looking forward to this next match. I, I say, uh, with Abaddon, um, the gimmick's okay. She's not very good in the ring, so I don't have high hopes on that match being very good. I don't blame you. I agree. Um, so this next match, I'm just pissed off at it. Swerve Strickland has built himself up, especially with that promo between him and MJF. That was great. But uh, everything he's done recently, his matches, the two that he beat Hangman in, uh, and just he's got more mic time. You have him go through his tournament, and I. All right, we'll we'll get into it's going to be Moxley and Kingston. I just did. We really have to to rehash that. I mean, was did did Moxley have to go over Swerve? Wouldn't it have been cool to have a brand new, completely different match with Eddie Kingston, who has everything to lose and kind of more the baby face in the whole situation whose titles are on the line, plus one against Swerve, who's bloodthirsty and doesn't give a flying fuck about Eddie's problems. I don't know. To me, instead, 
Well, we're going to have them lose the semifinals for whatever reason. And then he can rekindle his, his feud with Keith Lee that no one fucking wants and no one wanted to begin with. So I'm sure Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland are going to have a great match. But to me, that was a swerve in the wrong direction, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, it was kind of weird with him being in the tournament in general. Uh, if he was going to lose in the semifinal, I probably would have done it differently. The problem with him versus Eddie Kingston is that you would expect, because of the way they're pushing Swerve, he should win that match, right? And then the titles are tagged up, tied to him. And it's obvious that they're going to have him go after, you know, if not MJF, Samoa Joe, whoever comes out champion of that match. So. It, it, the whole thing was kind of weird. I said that coming out of the pay-per-view, the, the tournament in general is fucking weird, right? Like there's three belts all of a sudden and like, an I don't know that, that the entirety of that's weird. The people that they put in it while we knew that we were going to get good matches didn't necessarily make sense storyline wise, because coming off of beating Hangman, um, putting Swerve into the tournament would make you think that he would be the one winning that tournament. But obviously they have, bigger aspirations with him being in the main event picture. So him even being in the tournament to begin with absolutely kind of did nothing for him. Um, as far as him versus Keith Lee, I don't know that the AEW fans give a single fuck about Keith Lee. So I'm assuming Keith Lee's losing this match. Keith Lee also is on his phone with his honey that works over in WWE going, I only got six more months, babe. Please tell Hunter I love him. Please. <laughs> I mean, with good reason, because like once again, I don't watch Ring of Honor that often, so I don't know what he's been doing there. But it's not like they've had a lot for Keith Lee to do since coming to AEW, which is baffling to me. Uh, All right, so how how amazing, and I don't think this is going to happen, but it's AEW. What if Keith Lee beats Strickland tonight? Then I would think Tony Khan's lost his fucking mind. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure. Like, oh, God damn it! Because like you haven't, Keith Lee's been on TV like what twice in the past two months. He's yeah. If if you wanted to do this match, it would have made more sense to have Keith Lee in the tournament and like Swerve cost him the match to set up this pay per view and just have Swerve doing just normal singles matches in between then and there but that's not what they did. I guess they're at least paying off the feud that we never got, <laughs> but it's also like seven months after anyone would ever care about it. So um, just weird, weird all around. But yeah, you would have to be crazy like to have Keith Lee beat Swerve here, unless you're deciding you're going to give Keith Lee a giant push. But uh, with the way that they book most big guys in AEW, I don't ever see that happen. Yeah, and I don't get it. I don't understand how they don't treat big guys better, but we'll see. Swerve is just a complete package right now, and I don't think needs painting. I think he beats Keith Lee. He works on. I mean, if it's if it's if it's if it's Max, and he doesn't have the title, maybe still have that happen before he goes for the title. Maybe have Samoa Joe have an opponent in between time, you know, but eventually if it's Max or if it's Joe, I think 
Swerve needs to be the next in line for that championship. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and we, yeah, and we still have the payoff of whatever the devil is. So oh, like, yeah. I I don't know. I'm if- hoping that it's retribution and Mustafa Ali is the leader. <laughs> hey man, he was looking pretty swelt <laughs> on Twitter. Dude's been in the gym apparently. Um yeah, I don't I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be weird to see how that ties into the main event picture as well, but yeah, Swerve should win this match. I don't know why Keith Lee and him are having a match other than we just need something to put on this pay-per-view. Here's an idea. Hear me out on this, Dane. They could just do a three-hour pay-per-view instead of like a five-hour pay-per-view, and then they wouldn't have to throw random matches on it. Well, hey, now that you mentioned that, let's get with the next match. Another eight-man tag team. Blackpool Combat Club, Claudio Casanoli and Brian Danielson are teaming with Mark Briscoe and Daniel Garcia against Brody King, Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Roosh. Um, uh, so these are the two leagues basically going against each other. So you got the B, the blue team. So Claudio, Brian, Mark, and Daniel, I guess. Uh, go, no, that doesn't make any sense. But that's what all these guys are. They're from the fucking tournament. But what? Another eight-man tag match? Do we really need this? Glad Brian Danielson's in this, though. Jesus. Uh, God, what was the other team? It was Roosh. So it's it's Claudio, Danielson, Mark, Daniel Garcia against Brody King, who's definitely not aligned with any of these guys. Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Roosh. All people that have been in this past contest, I guess, besides the finalists. Is that what they're doing? I guess so. I mean, in in that situation, I think I'd pick the heel team, but. Which I mean, I'm confused on who the fucking heel team is. So Mark Briscoe is on on a team with Claudio and Brian Danielson, who have been pretty heelish lately. And Daniel Garcia, who who is now a baby face because he's the modern day Alex Wright. Um, oh man, I love Alex Wright, but God, that was a burial of Daniel Garcia. <laughs> and then he's going against Brody King, heel, Jay White, heel. Okay, Lethal's a heel. Roosh is kind of a heel. Roosh is just like a more of like a Hispanic drunken Roddy Roddy Piper, you know? He's like if you mixed, um, what the fuck's his name? God damn it. Oh, man. It it makes me so sad that they just haven't known what to do with Roosh because he is fucking incredible, and this is what he's doing. So uh, He's I'm like say- if you mix Manny Fernandez with the Ultimate Warrior. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um. I'm 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 gonna pick Team Roosh. I'm just gonna call him Team Roosh, I guess. I mean, I don't know that you want Jay right. White taking a bunch of a bunch of more losses, right? So I'm assuming that Jay White gets the pin here and they set up something with Bullet Club versus and Black. So does that mean Mark Briscoe or Daniel Garcia, since they lost every fucking match that they had, who's taking the the pin? Hmm. 
Now it makes me want to change my answer to Mark Briscoe pins Jay Lethal. <laughs> That's oh, sad. but Jay also is another guy that lost every fucking match. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's why it wouldn't. I happen. guess Mark won one. He beat Jay Lethal, so Mark won one. So Daniel Garcia is the ultimate loser, and Jay Lethal are the ultimate loser. I guess Jay Lethal. One of those guys will take a pin. Jay Lethal can get his pin back here against Mark. The honest answer is like, who fucking cares? (laughs) Why is this on the show? Well, speaking about that, we got another one that I'm kind of curious about because I just don't care. Uh, Timeless Tony Storm, which a lot of it has been very entertaining. Uh, Going against Riho. Where the fuck did Riho come from back? What? We don't have any fucking women actively on this. We need to, and it's not that she's not bad or that she looks like a doll. It's the fact of like, what the fuck is going on in the women's division? This is who the champion's going against? Like, Jesus Christ, I don't even fucking know or care about this match at all. So, Tony Storm's going to win. I know that. Because why? Maybe Riho will win. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I have no fucking clue. Uh, yeah, I have Tony Storm winning this. I I, I have no problems with Rio. It is kind of just like a match they threw together for no reason. That's my biggest issue. All right, this one's going to be a fucking fun match. Just for having, and I mean, I guess you should know he's a married man. Probably would piss off, but just for having C.J. Perry represent. Andrade El Idolo. Miro wants to murder him. So we're getting Miro and Andrade. This should be one of the best matches, I think. Or one of the ones that you're just not going to think is going to be as good as it is. And I'm going to go... I think Miro has to win. I mean, Andrade did win a couple of matches within that tournament. So, um, yeah, that's... I. Miro has to win against him. And then maybe him and um, CJ Perry will have a sex party uh, in the middle of the ring. <laughs> uh, Edge is like, hey, <laughs> this is my gimmick. I'm here now. You can't do that. Um, yeah, I think Mira wins this. I Really, with Andre, Andrade's contract kind of being up in the air, I don't know how much you want to dig into this storyline, right? So, yeah. This should be a really good match. I bet it's a very, very WWE match. What do you want to bet? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be because of Miro. Um, next match. For the AEW Continental Classic Triple Crown Championship, that includes the Ring of Honor World Championships, the New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Openweight Championship, and the inaugural AEW Continental Championship, the first official American Triple Crown in AEW. Eddie Kingston, John Moxley. So if Danielson won, and also that was a great match too. The Danielson versus Eddie Kingston was awesome, uh, but Danielson lost. We kind of would have had Moxley and Danielson. That didn't really intrigue me. I definitely wanted A to win. And also, honestly, with the three-way with John, I kind of, um, I don't know, JY would have been interesting, but I definitely was rooting, like I said, uh, for Schwarz Strickland to win. But now we have Moxley, Kingston. Kingston needs to win this 
this seems like it was meant for Kingston to win this. The tournament was meant to appease Brian Danielson. The winning is to go fuck yeah to Eddie Kingston. The triple crown concept, uh, everything. Him and Moxley have beaten the shit out of each other. They're good buddies, whatever. Me as a fan, and I like Moxley. If Moxley wins this fucking match, I'm going to roll my eyes because what's the fucking point? He's done so much and been inaugural this and inaugural that. It just seems completely unnecessary for him to win this, and it's going to piss me off personally. So I'm pulling for Eddie Kingston. Yeah, if Moxley wins this, that gets into what I was talking about earlier, where it's LOL AEW. <laughs> like, that would be the most TNA shit ever if they do that. That's a swerve. That's a bad swerve, but it would be a swerve. Um, Unless Moxley goes complete heel. I don't mean this in the middle shit. I mean complete heel, and that's what you're trying to set up. But if he just beats him. And Eddie's the guy that can't get it done once again. No, I don't want to fucking see that. No. And I mean, the, to me, the whole reason they were doing this tournament was to combine the titles, right? And it doesn't seem like they're doing that. So it makes it even kind of harder to care about. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I have Eddie Kingston winning here. If Moxley, like you said, if Moxley wins, I, I would kind of roll my eyes as well, because I don't know what story you could tell that would make me care about Moxley having those belts. Also, why, I completely agree. why is Moxley still hanging out with Blackpool Combat Club? He has been more successful by himself than he has been with that club. Like, so if if he is gonna win, he needs, like you said, he needs to turn full heel. Where everyone else in that group's like, I don't know, man. Like you're taking this too far. But even then, it's still like, wait, well, why? You have a chance to make like I, a big deal, but I. It's also about belts that no one cares about. So it's kind of. <laughs> it's. I just think that Moxley, he keeps on wearing those death death jitsu. Shirts, I think that he needs to open up his own jitsu uh, practice, you know, and start training people. I'm assuming it's something involved with like a jujitsu where you have him in a hold and then you take a piece of glass out of your pocket and stab him in the forehead. So I think that that needs to be implemented. And I think that he would be a great sensei for that. What was Taz's group in ECW where like the. Uh, the his students would come out and watch him wrestle. <laughs> Can we get that going if he's going to do the death jitsu thing? Only if it's like, how about Brian Alvarez and his students all come out to watch, like all the kids? <laughs> yeah. All right, next match we got for the TNT Championship. This is a no DQ match. Christian Cage and Adam Copeland. I say Christian wins. I guess I'm the evil bastard. Uh, I mean, we're going to know who's going to win this match based on who wins the Battle Royal, right? Probably. I'll definitely give it away because it's the first thing we fucking watched, so that would make sense. Um, I would say Christian's going to win this match or find a way to get disqualified. He doesn't necessarily... Well, this is an ODQ match, right? Yeah, so they covered that at least. Um, but that means that, you know, his people can come out and beat the shit out of Edge, so... Unless he's got some backup. Um, 
Maybe the Dudleys hit the ring and beat up Christian. <laughs> the Hardys. <laughs> You're going to come out now. Yeah, I guess you could use the Hardys since they actually are signed there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe it gets so bad and Christian and Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne are just destroying Edge that and then they're able to completely kill Edge still because, you know, Jeff and Matt take a while to get to the ring. So, I don't know. Maybe that wouldn't be as good. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I would lean towards Christian winning. I think that you'll have a clear-cut answer based on whoever wins the fucking Battle Royal, right? Because that will be the next thing they're going to do. But, it, I mean, this is the first singles match of a big, pretty big storyline for AEW, so you think it's going to have some kind of fuck finish to it. Which also leads me to believe that someone in Christian's group is going to win the Battle Royal as well. Because uh, that seems to be the story they've told with Christian, where they all just kind of relinquish the belt to him in general, so he won't have to actually face anything, which makes that Battle Royal useless. The only thing interesting you could do there is Christian wins, Luchasaurus wins the Battle Royal, and they continue down the storyline of you know, Christian berating luchasaurus and that sets up that match for luchasaurus to win his actual belt back um but who knows oh, yeah i forgot about that <laughs> <laughs> it will be interesting one way or another but i know one thing these guys are going to have a, gr- a good match they have chemistry they know each other they probably planned something out it's not going to get as fucking ridiculous as some of the hardcore matches in AEW can get, but it'll probably be to a level of what they were doing, you know, when we watched them all in those crazy tab matches back in the 2000s. So, expecting it to be a good match. Christian's a really good fucking heel in matches. He made me mention a match with Jungle Boy as one of the top matches of this year with that match, the casket match. So, that, that means something. Because I can't stand Jungle Boy. He's a douchebag. Yeah, this should be a really good match. Um, I think it will be very much a WWE style hardcore match and not what we just saw with Hangman versus fucking <laughs> Swerve at the last pay-per-view. I don't think Christian's pulling out the staple guns, what I'm getting getting at here. Jesus. All right. Main event time. So this is how I see it going. If MGF is leaving or they haven't file negotiated or whatever, you get the fucking title on Samoa Joe. Let's get that out of here. So MJF beats Samoa Joe. MJF has beaten another hurdle. He goes on and you build up with him and Swerve Strickland immediately after this. But I wouldn't do that. To me, I would have Samoa Joe Beat MJF. MJF is staying in AEW. Uh, he's finally won. Maybe because of disrespect, you can have Swerve come out and fucking be the reason, or at least a reason why Samoa Joe almost wins, or something like that. You know, you could play off that. You don't have to. This could happen afterwards, where you know MJF loses. He says some fucking shit to Swerve. Swerve's sick of him running his mouth now that he's not the champion causes MJF his rematch. And then it's the two of them. And once swerve beats MJF, like I said, goes against the mojo beats him. 
for the title. That's the way I would go. But I could also see them going, MJ will just win, and then we'll put him against Swerve. I guess I'm putting a lot of storyline into it with, you know, uh, Samoa Joe beating MJF and MJF staying. But I don't know. So I'm going to put Samoa Joe as the winner because that's the winner. That, I think, makes the most sense. I think there would be a lot more story if MJF stays. And if he is fucking leaving or they haven't negotiated, why the hell would you keep the title on him? Yeah, I mean, I think this has less to do with his contracts and more to do with him being banged up in the fact they're going to reveal whoever the devil is. Tony said on a media call that's supposed to happen tonight. Um, but I do think Joe is going to win here. I, I know MJF is still banged up. So maybe giving him some time off, beat down by whoever the devil is on MJF, kind of showing that he is not the devil because I don't think he ever was really. Um, Samoa Joe winning. I, that makes sense to me. I like all of your ideas as far as what you do afterwards to set up him and Swerve. I think I think those are all ways to do that. Um, yeah, this on paper is not a very good pay-per-view <laughs> in comparison to some of the others we've had this year. Yeah, unfortunately, that's definitely the truth. Um, it's kind of out of nowhere and it seems not even like, I don't know. It's not even like a B pay-per-view. It just, it just seems like a random one thrown together to be able to do something right before, you know, the, the last days that MJF technically is still with the company. I mean, I think that's the main reason they're having this This is right beforehand. It's supposed to generate people thinking about it and shit. And plus you have one last event to set up for the next year. So I get it. But once again, AEW said we're doing four. That's it. That's all you need for pay-per-views. And do they have more than WWE does now? Or the no. same amount? Mm, they're still be behind WWE. Because WWE also has like NXT pay-per-views and the Saudi shows. But that being said... You're not dropping sixty dollars a piece on those. That's the <laughs> that's the other way to look at it, right? WWE can have as many fucking pay per views as they want because I'm already paying for Peacock to watch their when they do have a pay per view, right? So it, that that part of the equation, as far as what WWE does, doesn't really factor into what AEW should do. I get you. This pay-per-view is a fucking money grab because they're, I mean, outside of getting to see who the devil is uh, in the MJF match, I, I mean, I guess if you care about the Christian Edge storyline, but the problem with it is they just told you it was a no-DQ match, so you know it's going to end in fuckery. There's not a whole lot to be super excited about with this pay-per-view. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So I guess uh, last question involving the pay-per-view. It seems like your answer, which is a very interesting and good one, kind of like a New Japan through Bullet Cl Club uh, invasion uh, with it being David Finley. Is that your, your final guess before we go on the pay-per-view tonight? Yeah, I just, I mean, it seems like you could do some neat stuff with the Bullet Club um, and they're still going to be tied to New Japan seemingly coming up i mean with brian danielson going to 
Wrestle Kingdom, maybe, you know, you get Jay White showing back up in New, J- New Japan. I think there's some neat stuff that you can do there. So I'm going to stick with David Finley. It, it, to me, it's like the side profile and the size of the guy that they've portrayed as the devil so far kind of looks like David Finley. Um, could be wrong, but that's that's I'm still sticking to that as a guess. It'll be very boring if it's fucking like Jungle Jack Perry or something. Yeah, whoever wants that's a douchebag. I've heard that a bunch. That's stupid. Anyways, um, God, man, I really, I don't, I don't know. Um, this is a uh, interesting concept altogether. It's been a silent person. So we're we're probably to believe that even though we've seen a ridiculous amount of people that the inner group is probably not that big. Um, Because I don't think there's 20 fucking members in this thing like they're looting. Um, Uh, It could be the size of New Japan's current (laughs) bullet club, however many people are in that thing. It is all right. Fine, fuck it. You know what? I'll do a weird one. Um, it's probably it's nowhere. It's not going to be this cool, but it's going to be um, uh, what La Synchro Bernables. So you're going to see Naito as the one with the mask on it, and still working with him will be Andrade, Rouge, um, all the members that Rouge are with, and then whoever else is in Lij. And we'll pretend those were the people attacking the whole entire fucking time. But who gives a shit? No one's going to really go back. Even if they go back and they're like, their neck fat's not the same. Fuck them. That's who I'm saying. Naito is behind all of this. And he's invading. Because he's he's like, really? I mean, it was cool teaming with fucking Sting. But like, this is this is, this is is the match I had? You know? No. He's, he's like, fuck AEW. Fuck Tony Khan. And he's going to come there. And he's going to reunite. It's not just Lij. It's it's Li back together, and everyone wants to fuck over everyone there. So they're going to do that. And he's going to take off his suit very slowly. That's how you're going to know it's Naito. Is because he's going to leave the mask on and be over the corpse of fucking MJF, just taking the buttons off before he removes the mask. There you go. That would, that would be awesome. Especially if it's not the devil mask we've seen and he wears one of his like kabuki demon masks from New Japan as he gets unveiled. Uh, I'd be sick. I'm into that. I don't think it's going to happen, but. Me neither. That's a way better. It's cool to. (laughs) It's cool to think about. It really is. It's Hangman. He's actually the devil. (laughs) He's not on this paper. Oh. What would be the most disappointing, like, reveal? I mean, the most obvious would be, it was me, and it's Samoa Joe. So it's kind of like, well, I, I don't know. If you didn't do what you just did on the last episode, it kind of would have been cooler if it was just you. But now if it is, it's kind of like you were just painting that out. So that's kind of dumb. And also, obviously, Jungle Boy. I mean, I don't think it possibly could still be that... It's MJF, follow along, and this is the pinnacle getting back together because FTR is not doing shit, and Wardlow, I don't know how the hell they can get him back in, but maybe they do. I don't know, but that's not happening. That's another thing. MJF has to deal with Wardlow at some point. 
it's preferably the, with that title. It's the Dark Order. <laughs> oh God! If it's Evil Uno, we're back. <laughs> no, no. I would it's, rather it be fucking Mustafa Ali and and Retribution for Christ's sakes. It's Danhausen. <laughs> it's been Danhausen all along. Uh. <clears throat> yeah, uh, you guys over here. Uh, <laughs> I'm the leader. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. All jo- all joking aside, I'm sticking with David Finley. I think there's interesting stuff you could do with the Bullet Club because at the end of the day, he, they did attack the Bullet Club. They haven't really fucked with MJF too much, so it's just that it's his mask. That's the story we've been given, right? So, I don't know. Whatever it is, when you build up this kind of big reveal and it's not like a huge star returning or something, it's kind of always hard to... uh, to Like the spider in the cage with uh, Eric Rowan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's both. Maybe it's both. No. No, this is not going to be who shot JR. I'm sorry. It's not, so... And I think that even if they do something cool, there's going to be one mark on the internet going, I'm disappointed. No one fucking cares, dude. Um, but it's, but what it's, I don't know. What if it's Bo Dallas, man? Do you believe? Dude, if it was Bo Dallas and this was maybe him and House of Black or something, that would be actually kind of cool. I'd be down for that. I'd be down for Bo Dallas being the person. Because that's random, you know? <laughs> House of Black could actually fit into that okay, I think, without people getting too disappointed. But we'll we'll see. Well, they were like, wait a minute. None of the guys look like a fucking gorilla like Brody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those could just be hired dudes. Remember Aces of Eights? They had like 100 members in Aces of Eights. Oh, my God, dude. That's who it's going to be. It's going to be Bully Ray. <laughs> that would be great. I want to hear Bully Ray. And what if it was Bully Ray, but he says what Vince said. It was me. It was me. He even tries to do a Vince impression with that terribly thick northern New York accent. (laughs) It was me. It was me all along. It's fucking. That sounds Scottish. That's the that's the real LOL TNA moment. We wait for the devil to be revealed, and it's just fucking aces and eights. Well, no, it's. It's a reveal and a reveal. Not only is it Ace and Eights, but it's not Bully. It's fucking Devon, and this is his chance to shine. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's our truth. EC3's in the, <laughs> in the group. Hey, hey, man, I'm ready to, to fight you guys. I'm in charge of this group. Mm. And this week on SmackDown... Wait, what? It's not SmackDown? Wait, it's, it's not WWE? What are you talking my bad. My bad, guys. They just walks away. <laughs> that would have been amazing if it was our truth and we went back to like <laughs> TNA wild style our truth. Oh, you want that? You want you want fucking uh yeah, that that our truth. I want Ron, Ron Truth Killings. Yeah. Put Jay Lethal with him. Set it off. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh really hard if it's fucking Jeff Jarrett. That that will be the ultimate LOL. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett's the Jesus devil. Christ. If this was Ugh. if it was a TNA pay per view, that would be the payoff. It would just be Jeff Jarrett. 
Somebody right, said, so we just got I just somebody said online they hope it's Vince Russo and I laughed really fucking hard at that. Maybe they could do that. Can they attack him? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Um yeah, but I don't know who's going to be it's going to be fucking crazy. But anyways, we hope you guys enjoyed the awards. Um, this is just our opinion. Don't get mad at us. But if you do want to talk to me, DaneAlves42 on Twitter. And then DaneAlves, find me on Instagram or Facebook. Message me, let's talk. My lists were amazing, so I don't need your critiques. I'm just, just being honest with you. But um, if you do want to talk about it, let's talk. Uh, I also wanted to mention, because I forgot to mention at the beginning, go fucking see The Iron Claw. It's an incredible movie. Zach Efron is great in it. Everyone, especially uh, Jeffrey Allen White, who plays Carrie Von Eric, all the other you know cast members did a great job. Who gives a fuck if the guy is not that good at the Ric Flair impersonation? Get over it. It's a good movie. It's worth getting over to enjoy a story. So I'll just say that. Yeah, and uh, if you want to talk to me about my list or anything else wrestling-related, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on X and Christopher.R.Patton on both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you want to check out a recent show I did, I was uh, did a watch-along for Gremlins, a 6M podcast, uh, Tom Clark's podcast. Check that out. We did a live watch-along of Gremlins. It was a lot of fun. One of my favorite Christmas movies. And uh, I have heard that I should be worried about the person who played Harley race more than the person who played Ric Flair. So I'm going to keep that in mind when I watch this movie, probably on Monday. I think I'm going Monday to see the iron claw. So I'm looking forward to that. I didn't mean, I, I didn't mind either of them. I wasn't really about Harley and Rick, but you know how the online, uh, Mark community has to, uh, act so wonderfully great movie, but what the fuck? Rick Flair. Oh! You know, it's kind of like, okay, can we just enjoy a movie? <sighs> I just say to wrestling fans in general that you should go and support this movie because, like, heels got canceled, and if you want more wrestling shit in the future, this movie needs to do well and have good reviews. Otherwise, it'll be like when well, we went through a comic book dry spell for fucking forever after Superman 3. And now we currently are because the MCU went to fucking shit, and... Snyder fucked up DC. Anyways, but let's not talk about depressing things. We're going to see you guys next year because we'll be talking about the pay-per-view itself next week, but it will be in 2024. You want to listen to our broadcast every week if you're a new listener. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on every streaming platform, YouTube. You know, Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You can do a Google search to find more platforms. Subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. We'd appreciate that. Um, and remember, you know, have a great New Year's. Enjoy yourselves for the rest of this year. And get ready to get your ass kicked in 2024, motherfuckers. Sorry, that was a bit bold of me. Anyways, peace out. And as always, let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you.